What is up? Welcome to another episode of the Never Been Done Podcast. We are back. We are better than ever. And, uh, yeah. How's it going, gentlemen? Going good. Just almost stabbed myself in the eye. It's a good thing you have protectors. I know, right? Oh, these fucking <laughs> things saved me a million times. Bad news. Bad news. I saw Kyle uh, Wagner at the liquor store today on my hunt for Flavor Pack 2. No way. And, uh, no, liquor Kyle. Like, like strong Kyle. Clark Kent. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he had a mask on and glasses and his wasn't fogging up and I was going to ask him his, his, uh, his, his trick, but I, I kind of, we got on another tangent. I've been told a couple things, but yeah, I'm like, at this point, it's basically like, okay, spend $30 on a mask from Amazon. I'm like, eh. I just wear a bandana when I'm at work and I just, and I just say over and over again, I'm a bandit. Pew, pew. A dick bandit, probably. <laughs> I'm but. a bandit. Yeah. Well. <laughs> you're not wearing glasses though. A bandit. Yeah, I know, I know. You're 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 a bandit. But I'm just talking about me wearing a mask because like, oh. that's what I say. I'm a band because I just wear a bandana <laughs> and I look like a fucking old an old west bank robber. Right. That's the funny part about all this. Any other time you show up at the gas station with a mask on, you're there to rob it. I'm just saying, every time I go to Walmart with that fucking mask on, and the old lady that runs the the door, and she's just like, "Well, I'm sir." I'm like, "No, thank you," and I just keep walking, and she gets all upset. But if I have a fucking TV in my arms, what's she gonna do? Think she's gonna fucking do some jujitsu and stop me? You never know. She's not. <laughs> so <laughs> kick flow to the ground and go on my way. They won't know who I am because I got a mask on. This guy robbed a Circle K, like I think it's a mile and a half down the road from my house. It's not Circle K's in Grand Junction, is there? In Clifton, there is. Really? Yep. Yeah, it's on it's on E Road in thirty two. Huh. Yeah, it's pretty hidden though. You have to like actually go out there to find it. Tech- it's like on a corner, and there's trees around it. So yeah, I can see how you know don't know it's there. Technically, the gas station right across from the college, the one next to the yogurt place, they are also a Circle K. Technically, even though all their banners and everything aren't really changed, hmm. but inside the area. They are super circle K according to their credit card machine and their screens and all that stuff. Well, this dude in a mask robbed it with a rifle. <laughs> Jesus. And um, <laughs> bolted in a stolen car. And there was like literally in 30 minutes, I heard like eight different sets of cop cars like blast down E-Road. Wow. Like, I was awake, and Tori wasn't, and I woke her up, and she's like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, I don't know. But this dude bolted, uh, fucking swerved all crazy, I guess, and, like, jumped out of the car and tried to escape in a canal and, like, got stuck in the canal. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So that's the kind of shit that's happening in Clifton. (laughs) Man. That's pretty like par. Um, um, that's pretty par for the course, though. Like on a regular basis. Yeah, but now it's like three nights in a row, some shit's going down. So I'm like, what the fuck? I'm just close enough to Clifton that it's starting to affect me. <laughs> uh, need to save up some money and buy a gun. I could buy a gun. I just don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. 
You know so, what I mean? Like, you fill out forms. I've never bought a gun. Oh, so I have no clue. Sure. That's understandable. Where to begin, or what the process is, or... I mean, it depends whether you're going to do it legally or go to, like, a, a back alley. I would prefer to do it legally. Okay. Back alley? Legally? I guess I could walk my ass down to the Circle K and wait for the next person that looks like they're going to rob the place and ask like, them hey, if they have a gun to sell gun? me. <laughs> Can I buy it? Yeah, how about instead of robbing this place? Do you want me to wait and I'll come wait and you come out? Okay. So, some years ago, you used to be able to get the thrifty nickel and open it up and be like, they'd be like guns and ammo and be like, ah, I'm selling a three fifty seven, blah, 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 blah. And you just call them like, hey, I'm interested in that. And you'd go to their house and you'd look at it and then you'd give them the money and you'd leave. And that, this is that simple, but I don't, I don't think it's as easy as that anymore because like whoever originally purchased the gun from a store, which every gun was originally purchased from a store of some sort. Sure. It's registered to that person. And so I think people got weirder about it as time went on. Like, I mean, yeah, if you bought it from this like- is going, this is going on the internet, but I don't really give a shit because it's going to be hard to, I, I mean, nobody will ever know what I own and where it's at, but like none of my guns are registered. So they are to somebody. I think maybe in the old days it wasn't that way, but there is a serial number on every gun that I own, but I'm not sure how that works. Like in the old days, like I don't know how far back that goes, like mid nineties. Yeah. They started making the gun registration a thing, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure it's one of those things that there's probably a, there's a gray area in there for sure. An extension on what is grandfathered in by age of, by age of weapon and an ownership of weapon. Right. But yeah, in the old days of just getting in the one ads and being like, yeah, there's a guy selling a trunk full of uh, whatever. Not a trunk full. It's like <laughs> another good old boy. Like, hey, man, joke. Yeah, I, yeah. Got my, I got my 357 for sale. Anybody looking for it? I'm looking to upgrade with 997. And it's like, then you just go buy it. Right. I think my style would be like either shotgun or Uzi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I would say no on the Uzi because that's stupid and a waste of money. But a shotgun for home defense is amazing because all you do is point. In I know. The dark and you shoot. don't even have to aim, really. You don't. You just got to kind of point in general the direction general, and shoot. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times, because of it, depending on like what you put in your shotgun, it might not even kill them, so you won't have to feel bad about murdering somebody. See me, I wouldn't feel bad about murdering somebody. Like if you break into my house, you're gonna fucking die. Because one, my dogs are gonna wake me up real quick. Number two, I'm gonna shoot you in the face with a fucking twelve gauge. That quick. Like it is like Yeah. Like I have a gun, it's pointing at your head, they're like blah 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 like boom. That's as that's how that's gonna go. Like I'm I've I've already I'm going for the the genitals. For sure. <laughs> God. Uh, I might have some guilt from that. I don't know. I won't have any guilt. You broke into my house, you threatened my life and my family, you're gonna fucking die. And by family I mean my animals. Because, like, Robin's not going to fucking... He's going to go... You know how he is. Yeah. He's bit several of my friends. That's true. You think he's going to fucking not bite you? And they got the, whoever it is, I assume it's a guy, because most home invasions are men. Like, they're going to, like, probably try and kick or hurt my dog. Then you're really going to fucking die. Like, that's not okay. Like, it's going to be a bad thing for you. So, just... just yeah, that's all I got to say about it. I was going to buy a Louisville Slugger, but... No. Those prices have gone up quite a bit too because I think a lot of people have had the same idea. Yeah. So buying a bat on Amazon right now is not ideal. Huh. Should have right. looked should have done this a while ago, but you know. Yeah. 
How do you feel about all that? It's about buying a baseball bat? No, just about know. home invasion. <laughs> you mean doing it or like it happening? No, I, have we? Is, have any of us here <laughs> talked about wanting to home invade somebody? I mean, whenever this started, there was talk of riot. Or what, what's that called when you not riot loot? There you go. That's not the same thing, though. I guess. No, it's like if it becomes apocalyptic, I'm just going right. to go to the neighbor's house and take their stuff. See, so there you go. That's yeah. that's not home invasion. I'll just be like, have you guys seen that? There's a hilarious video online of a guy who's like, I went to the store today. And the shelves were completely empty. And when I, so I walked into the parking lot and I just started asking people, Hey, do you think I could buy a little bit from you? He's like, and he like starts like pointing at people's carts, but it's a gun. It's just from his point of view, but it's like, can I buy that toilet paper from you? And people just, and it's just like him pointing at people's toilet paper in their cart with his gun. And he's like, people just weirdly sold it to me. It was amazing. He's like, can I buy those eggs? Can I buy some of your eggs? Can I buy some of your toilet paper? And I was like, that was pretty funny. <laughs> Ridiculous. So I did have to go to... CBS needs to know this just because he was with me last night on my adventures, but I had to go to... I went to another grocery store today and two other liquor stores and finally found some of the Wave 2 flavors. (laughs) Oh, my God. I found three more cases. Uh. But (laughs) the city's dry, man. The city's getting dry on the watermelon White Claw. Well... I so think, quit drinking I, my watermelons unless you're going to replenish them. I think we knew about the shit before this whole thing started, and then when this thing started, people were buying shit from the liquor store. Yeah, but last week more than normal, and then a bunch of people that didn't already realize there were new flavors out, and then realize how awesome they were, were like, "Oh fuck, let's go buy more of those." So here's the problem, though. You keep drinking my new my my flavor pack twos, but then last week you bring fucking grapefruit. I don't want grapefruit, motherfucker. Bring a flavor pack two. There were no twelve packs at all where I went. No. So sounds like a personal problem. So this started a week over a week ago. <laughs> yeah, but there are twelve packs of just mango now. Did you see that? Yeah, that's kind of cool. Hmm. <laughs> Okay. All right, so what's in the news? What's in the news? So Universal is set to reboot Green Hornet and Kato into another movie franchise thing. Yikes. Who cares? I don't know about that. I like Green Hornet and Kato. If it's not going to be a weird comedy with... I mean, I don't hate that other movie. I liked it, though. I liked that movie. Is that right? I'm with CBS on that one. It was all right. I liked it. I thought it was great. Um, so I didn't know this, but I guess this is relatively not as new of news as other things, but, um, Scott Derrickson is not directing the second Dr. Strange movie, but Sam Raimi is. I remember hearing that, but I don't remember when I heard it and I don't remember, like I filed under remember, but I didn't remember when that was. That was a terrible way to try to tell that story. Don't make it like Spider-Man 3. That's all. Yeah. Spider-Man 3 and pretty positively tanked on purpose like hmm. as a thing so him is man do we have time for this during the news i guess it doesn't matter right so you edit this spider-man and so spider-man 3 sam raimi and his wife wrote together then sony said oh we need venom in that movie and him and his wife said uh what they're like yep yeah, put venom in there so they put venom in there and like of that movie, the parts that are questionable are the Venom parts. 
The salmon parts are great. Yeah, the salmon parts. Oh, are I really like Sandman in it for yeah. sure. The Mountain Dew Goblin. He's fine. He's extreme. That's why he's supposed Emo to be. Emo Spider-Man, too, though? Not so good. But Emo well, Spider-Man comes from Venom. Venom. The Gwen Stacy stuff I thought was great as well. It was fine, yeah. But the Spider-Man Venom stuff, all that emo weirdness, the weird dance sequence. So where does, there's a director's cut out there somewhere, then. Maybe. Without Venom. You know, I don't without, know. Without, yeah, and Topher Grace, give me a break. Right. Exactly. So, like, everything is connected to Venom in that movie is what's bad about that movie. Something else Sam does in movies... And you can see it in Evil Dead and Drag Me to Hell and a whole handful of his other movies. When he's making fun of the audience or the characters in the movie, he has a character do like a weird jig, like a little dance. Tilver Grace does a weird dance in the middle of the movie. So like, if he didn't take it on purpose, I'd be super surprised. Because okay. the rest of the movie is fine. And like, everything else the dude's done, even his indie stuff back when he didn't have money, was decent. Oh, for sure. So, like, as a thing, for that movie to be as big a piece of crap as it is, I'm 100% sure, in my head I'm 100% sure, so it doesn't matter, that it was done as a decision. And more more of a, oh, this is what you guys want to do? Well, let's shut this shit down then. And it wasn't like, because the original script did not include Venom, like at all. And I don't, I'm not, and I'm of the opinion that I don't think he would be beyond doing that. I mean, I have never met him, but I've met his brother. And his brother, come, the two of them come off very similar. And, like, just the stuff his brother's said to me in life. I mean, Ted's a funny guy. But Ted's the... He was the guy... He worked in the... The, uh... Oh, in the movies? Yeah, he was J. Jonah Jameson's uh, yeah. assistant guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And okay. he's the guy in the lady fat suit in Evil Dead. Yeah, he's he's got a part in all of his brother's movies. The only one that you don't physically see him on screen in is Dragging the Hill, where you hear his voice. He's the doctor that shows up at the at the house to look over the lady, but you only hear his voice. But Ted, I mean, he's funny. And I assume the two of them are very similar candors, so I wouldn't put it past either one of them. As a thing, I wouldn't put it past Sam at all. But, yeah, as far as Spider-Man 3 is concerned, I find it high, highly unlikely we'll ever have that kind of problem again unless it's another... Force to do things you don't want to do. Right. Anyway, so there's that. What else were we talking about in the news? Sorry, I completely like... Bloop. Sam Raimi, really, but... Oh, there you go. Well, so Sam Raimi... Hopefully um, he doesn't make it like he made Spider-Man 3, as in Doctor Strange 2. Yeah. Oh, I think that'll be... Him doing a what is supposed to be a horror movie, Marvel movie? A horror movie? Yeah. Like with a bunch of whores? No, like the scary kind. Horror. There you go. Horror movie. That's Horror. A scary movie? Yes. I mean, I like the first Doctor Strange, so I hope it's somewhat like that. It's supposed to be pretty uh, Scarlet Witch heavy as well. Yeah, she's. I guess they're saying this is maybe going to lead to her show, I guess. Or her solo movie, who knows. Well, she's getting the, the TV show Vision, WandaVision, which is yeah. about her being crazy and like what she sees when she's crazy. Not necessarily about Vision, but... Her vision. So kind of like in the comic books when they did the whole two kids out of nowhere magic style. And yeah. things being just nuts. Or the House of M shit. Yeah. Well, House of M was before that. But yeah, as a thing, like there's all these... Like at one point she magically created two kids for her and Vision. And then the thing is they never really existed. Like the kids were magic creations. And then eventually they let them go. But the spirits go into actual kids. So they still exist. It's really weird. It's kind of a mess to read through. 
I mean, if you have them in on Wikipedia, I guess you could do that. But yeah, it's a whole thing. And like during that time frame, like what was real, what wasn't real was major, majorly ratconned in and out of like what they decided to keep. But as a thing, like even the trailer, like for WandaVision, we see flashes of straight up comic book costumes on her and Vision. So that's interesting. But whether it's supposed to be the predecessor or the aftermath of Strange, I don't know. I guess it depends on when it comes out. No, it's like Benedict Cumberbatch, so I'll watch it. Because honestly, some of the newer shit coming out from Marvel, I don't, I'm not that excited about. Like the what's in, what's his face in the zillion rings or whatever. Oh, the Shang-Chi? Yeah, I'm not really into that. I don't really care. I think it's a really weird decision. It is odd as far as a choice. Shang-Chi's pretty old school. Yeah, whatever. Well, they gotta relate it to the Asians too, right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, you know, we did a really amazing job with Black they see, Panther. All they see is another Black Panther, I think. Yeah. Maybe, but... Huh. Oh, maybe. On the same note, I'll say if they keep making movies as good as almost all of them were, I'll see them no matter what, so... Right. Change it up, yo. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of just whatever about it. They're supposed to... There's, like, massive rumor about Natalie Portman being in her own Thor trilogy... Now they're mm. doing that number four is... I don't know if she can carry that. If the f- if number four makes enough money, I could see him doing it, as far as the comics are concerned. Gene Jane Foster Thor ran for a while. There's a lot of cool things that they did with that character that could work. Not enough to make three movies. Uh, hmm. I don't know. How many Hobbit movies do they make? If, if, and how shitty were If Mark there? Ruffalo mm. can't get his own Hulk movie... That's partially because he still owns the Hulk. Universal Studios still owns the distribution for that. Hmm. So as long as they still own the Hulk distribution, there Hulk. won't be a regular Hulk movie. I say bullshit on that, because Disney has enough money to spend that billions oh, of do. dollars on Star Wars. You can't figure that out. But why would they do that? Just they Why make, wouldn't they do that? Well, if they can make Ragnarok, which was actually Planet Hulk, with Thor added, why, why, why waste the money on it? Hmm. I'm just saying. It's pretty stupid. They're going to go down. They're going to take like several steps backwards on this next, this wave four or whatever. Oh, for movies? Phase four. I do think the Eternals is a weird question. I don't totally get that choice, but whatever. I think the Eternals and like Black Knight and that kind of stuff could be cooler than some of the other shit they're going to do. I do like the Black Knight. I think he's really cool. The Eternals just never worked in the books, really. And like, they want to, it's like people want to compare it to Guardians of the Galaxy, but. The Guardians, whether it was the original 80s guys or the 2005 guys that everyone likes, there's always been a, a presence like every couple years of the Guardians. Whether you read them or not, they were still around. Whereas the Eternals, there's two series, like the one from the 70s around 18 issues, and then a miniseries that happened like 2012. And none of that stuff panned out to anything. So, I guess we'll see. I mean, maybe next year we'll have eight... Eternals comic books, I guess. I thought the Ravagers thing would have been cool. Like, why not that? Right. With the same people that were the same actors. The other teams. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah? I watched a movie about that. Split off movie where you got Stallone and Ving and doing their own spaceship nonsense. It would cost too much money to get all the dudes. That's a good point. Probably the only reason why. Yeah, there's there's a pretty big stack of paychecks there. Um, 
So speaking of Disney, Disney is no longer the most expensive media conglomerate in the world. Netflix surpassed them. They are one hundred eighty-seven point three billion net worth, and Disney is only one eighty-six point six billion. And it wouldn't, only wouldn't t- have happened. And it only <laughs> took a fucking pandemic. <laughs> Man, isn't that crazy? And the weird thing is, with Netflix, is I've been using my dad's, my mom, my parents. Right. And, like, how are they making money? How does that work? I bring this up all the time. I'm like, I don't fucking know. I don't understand. How do you make... A hundred TV shows and fifty movies every year, and make fucking money on it. And they're worth a hundred and eighty-seven point three billion dollars. Like, they're they gave like Eddie Murphy like what two hundred million dollars contract crazy. or some yeah. shit to like for his movies, like Coming to America two. I th- I want to say like Beverly Hills Cop is coming out with another one. He's com he's doing a comedy special and some like um. What was the one that he came out with? Dolomite. Dolomite. Oh, yeah. Like, all that shit. Like, Adam Sandler has, like, a multi-hundred million dollar contract for them. Like, what in the fuck? Like, how are they... How does that work? I don't understand. I understand... The only thing I don't understand is how they make so much original content and still are in the positive. Because you're missing out on box office sales and all that shit. Yeah, but, but but there's no advertisements though either. Yeah, like pro- like product placement, sales wise, product placement would be one thing. And they, there is a few theaters they do run movies, and that's how they get themselves into the Academy Awards and stuff. They're not yeah, highly run, because but they, with they, like ten percent of what they make. Oh maybe, yeah, hundred percent. You know, like not not saying it fixes the, the the balance that we're looking at, but it is a thing. It's one of those things that if someone made. A special about how Netflix makes money. I'd be stoked and I'd watch it. You know, like because I'm like I don't, I don't. Okay, there you go. In my head, I can't see how they make any money. Right. Subscribers don't mean shit when you're spending billions of dollars on other projects. I just don't get it. Yeah, there's a lot of people through all this shit. I can see how they're making more money, but just like you said, I'm not paying Netflix. (laughs) We're using Tori's sister's Netflix, but at the same time, like I've been through that shit a million times. And I'm like, meh. Yeah, but Whatever. you've had memberships at one point, and people start and stop memberships. When all, it all first time. became a thing, yeah, yeah, I paid them out of my pocket for a couple of years, and I was like, fuck this. Okay, so so it's like the comedy special shit. Okay, so the comedy specials, like they give those dudes like a lot of money to make those fucking specials, and I'm sure those tickets were not cheap for the people who are in the audience. But though, that, but they filmed that. And the the comedian got the money for that show. It's yeah. part of their tour. Mm, interesting. So it's like it's ex- explained in all the comedy comedians that I follow and listen to their podcasts and stuff. So like when you do a theater, when you do a theater show, a lot of times people will do two different nights because the first night you pay for there's like a there's like a curtain fee. And there's like a, a security fee, and there's all these things, and you pay all that stuff up front. So it comes out of your first night's ticket sales. The second night ticket sales, 100% of it goes to to the comedian. And you got to think, like, a comedian is one person, one microphone, and then some lights. Right. It's not a band. No. It's not a big production. It's just like, and so. 
Well, those tickets are fucking 90 bucks a piece usually, 100 bucks maybe. Well, I mean, most... The big ones, anyway. On a theater tour, you're paying anywhere from, like, I would say 25 at the bare minimum to $100 a ticket, and you have an, a theater of 1,800 people. So, like, those people are making a shit ton of money. So the comedian's making money, and a lot of times they're like, okay, we did a 20 or 50 city tour of this of this tour of that material, and then they usually do, like close to the last run of that tour so they're super confident in their material they film like three nights or four nights in a row or four shows in a row and they take like the best cuts or the best one of all of it and so then they like basically just give it to netflix so netflix pays for like the publicity of it and they pay for the the camera people to come and they pay for you know like all that kind of shit but then the editing and everything but they don't pay for like yeah, they, that person made money that night because it was one of their shows on their fucking tour. Right. Yeah, I have no idea, dude. So that that's what's weird. I mean, like, there's no product placement. I guess in a movie, you can put, like, a fucking shit ton of Pepsi in it or you can put, like, a shit ton of fucking Mercedes in it. Or any, any and every logo. But in a com- comedy special, there is none of that. But it's still hard to imagine, even with all the movies and TV shows, like, how that adds up to billions and billions of billions of dollars ahead of what they spent making all that shit. I just don't. I don't know. I wish somebody who knew more about finances than we did can explain that shit to us. Like, I wish we could get some <laughs> sort of, like, money specialist. Somebody like, this is how Netflix makes money. They sell, they sell subscriptions. Okay, to who? Like, you can well, get five fucking different screens. It's not like each one of us is paying $15 a month. If I'm not using... None of the three of us in this room, we all three watched Netflix probably ten times this week. You watched a whole entire show that was garbage it wasn't at garbage. my house that we that you didn't pay for. On your parents' account. Yeah. That's true. But they don't just do the U.S. Like, Netflix is everywhere. That's true. They're global. It's a okay. World, it's a worldwide but thing. So people in Russia are paying Even Netflix if you do Russia. the math, like logically, if you do the math in your head, there's like a hundred, there's like a hundred million subscribers at fifteen, like let's say ten dollars a month. And then think about how much money they're spending making. You know, maybe it's not a hundred, but I'd say they're probably they probably made like eighty TV shows last year, and how many movies? Who knows? Fifty, whatever, and then documentaries and. Whatever yeah, some else. Some of the stuff, like documentaries and films, some of the stuff gets made by whoever's making it, and they sell it to Netflix. So they don't have the upfront cost. And I'm sure the people that sold it to them make something off the back end of it. But we've seen stuff from Netflix get sold in, in discs and sold on on print media, too. So, like, licensing alone, think about Stranger Things, man. There's action figures, stickers, bumper stickers, hats, T-shirts, jackets... There's piles of merchandising coming from that. And yeah, the Duffer Brothers get a chunk of that or whatever, but I'm sure Netflix gets a chunk of it too. Because Netflix right. is the one that did it. So anything with that logo on it, they're getting a chunk of the production. I just want to have a conversation with Netflix's accounting team. Sure. That's all. I mean, if For like 10 hours. Happen, let them know you got a podcast. <laughs> to support. Make that a thing. Then we'll, then we'll get some rules. Maybe Netflix will sponsor us. That should be our sponsor. Show, show will make sense. Hey, Netflix, you need more shit to waste your money on, you dumb shits? How about us? No, don't, don't say it that way. <laughs> but merchandising is definitely a big thing. I mean, right. as far as products are concerned. But how much they get of that and how much the production people get of it. 
I mean, Stranger Things is just the easy one to reference because it's the biggest one. But it was the first big one, yeah. Yeah. But of the rest of them, there's plenty of other things that have come out of there too, like produced from that. Like Mark Millar made some deal with him, so there's Netflix ad on the back of every one of his comic books. Has any of the shows turned out from his books? Not that I'm aware of yet. But but again, when there's when there's an advertisement in a comic book for Netflix, Netflix paid that comic book company to put their ad in there. That's what I'm saying. Like as far as merchandising on the one side, so but with Stranger Things, it's a different kind of thing because I'm sure they get a percentage of whatever's made by whoever makes it as a percentage of the thing. But then they turn around and spend money on advertising too, and like whatever they pay Mark Millar is no different than making a deal with Adam Sandler, except that I'm sure Sandler got more money. Because Millar's name matters very little. So, I know you hate him because you hate funny things and stand-up comedy. Okay. But, like, um, Whitney Cummings and Burt Kreischer hosted this, like, online um, Zoom, like, comedy thing. Who's Whitney Cummings? She's another comedian, but she's also, like... She's she in a, a TV show, show with Whitney, Dalia. Called Whitney. Hmm. Okay. If you um, saw her face, you would recognize her. Okay. For sure. If the two of them were on that show, that's why I recognize him. But yeah, I didn't really watch that show, but I'm aware that it happened. Anyway, so they did she's a special. A, for she's a, her. Anyway, they did some sort of, like, it was in her house, and they, like, interviewed different comedians, and Kreischer interviewed Adam Sandler, and it's the most fucking hilarious, embarrassing shit that I've ever seen. Like, Kreischer, so... Do you remember the the Chris Farley interviews on Saturday Night Live? But he's just like, so remember the time they were in the Beatles and you guys sang that one song that, um, you love you make is equal to love you take. And he's like, yep. He's like, that was awesome. Remember that? Do you remember that like yeah. sketch? Kreischer does that shit with Adam Sandler, but like in real life, it's real questions. He's like, hey, so you remember in your movie Happy Madison and and he's like. Uh, what? Yeah, what? And it's just like he he, he called Happy Gilmore, he, or Billy Madison. Nobody fucking knows what Bert was talking about because he says Happy Madison, but that's his production. That's Adam's like production yeah. company. Okay. And then he's like, if you had to film one movie like for the rest of your life, what movie would it be? He's like, um, I'm not going to answer that question. That's the dumbest question I've ever heard, and I refuse to fucking answer it. And like, and everybody <laughs> was just like, everybody was like, oh fuck. It's pretty funny. And he's like, yeah, I can't wait to get home tonight and watch. Watch your your new movie, Precious Gems, with my kids, and it's like it's not called Precious Gems at all. It's just like the worst fucking interview. Or was he pulling that no, Galifianakis crap? No, he's not. One so hundred. He's stupid. He it, he just he's stupid. Okay. I think he was just so psyched to like be. He does get like kind of excited sometimes. So you think he's starstruck by Adam? His Sandler. face gets all red and like yeah. Hmm. You, he okay. probably. I, I gotta watch it, but I guess I understand that. Okay, I guess I can understand that maybe. But anyway, it was pr- it was pretty fucked. Because I mean, he's probably he's probably super high too. He wasn't because he's been relatively sober. Like he's not he's been sober through this whole quarantine thing. So I listen to his shit all the time. Uh, that sounds rough. So I think that's probably why. But Rogan talks shit about him all the time. He's like. He's like, yeah, all those fucking overweight, like high blood pressure people. Kreischer, I'm talking to you. And he always says that shit on his like on his podcast about people who are more susceptible to getting corona. And and Kreischer's like, you know, I feel like you're talking to me when you say these things. I fucking am, Bert. I am. Quit fucking drinking. 
Right. So I don't know, but it was that fuck. guy. He's, he's oh, becoming he, Christian Bale though. Like he got super fit and now he's super fat again, like real fast. He didn't get Who? fit at all. What? Bert? He looked pretty good. He like pretty good at a special, but he wasn't fit. Not in his special. That's before the fittest, that. That's the fittest he's been. Is his new special in like ten years? He said he was at his lowest weight. He looks the same there to me. Go. I don't know. I thought I saw a picture of him last year, like after October, and I was like, he looked pretty good. That's right when he shot his special. Well, he looked the same to me. Because so. he shot it like November 3rd or something like that. But anyway, one of the questions he asks Sandler is fucking, do you have Netflix? He asks Adam Sandler if he has Netflix. With this whole deal working for Netflix, okay. And then like everybody called him afterwards, like his manager calls, like, why did you ask him that? He's like, well, what do you mean? I don't know if he has Netflix. He's like, he fucking like... He is Netflix right now. Like, of course he has fucking Netflix. I'm sure that probably is part of the deal. He gets it for free, Bert. And he's like, oh, shit, dude, think about that. It's like a, like Tom Segurd is like, dude, you're so fucking dumb. Like, that's so, like, the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. Because they do a podcast together, and, like, Tom just like. Uh, anyway, it was, it was. I wonder if it was a trick question because Bert doesn't get Netflix. It's not part of his deal. He doesn't get it. I don't think he just pays attention to that shit like he just it's a joke but when you li- i mean i know more about it to listen to all the shit and he just like he there's like a drinking game of every time like bert tells a story to change the subject or like doesn't listen to somebody else or he just doesn't listen like he just i think he's like super add probably do you want to play white claw power hour on facetime later sure i'm just kidding maybe like half hour i'm into it power hour is crazy scared. Let's do Zoom so we can get a couple other people in on it. Oh, for sure. I gotta download that app. I still haven't yet. I'm like the last person on board. I don't even know what the hell that is. It's like a um, Skype. Uh, you can get app. like what twelve people on yeah. the get, call? Or you get something? multiple people, and it shows all your all, all the faces, your, everybody's faces, huh. and like video chat. So then, too, if you have like so you can have like a an iPad or something, you can really get the gist of it. Or my computer. Oh yeah. Okay. Crazy. So we just got a really, really, really special guest, straight out of quarantine. <laughs> this didn't happen, but yeah, Brown Brown himself is here. If I have it, you guys are all fucked. <laughs> Although I, I probably had it like it's bad. three weeks ago. I think it's possible many of us had it months ago and don't know it. So, hmm. right, what are you guys talking about? We haven't got there yet. We're just still just chat, but we're doing a uh, top film scores tonight. Oh, well. yeah, just like a list of our favorite ones, and then Josh and I both made separate playlists on Spotify that we're gonna link. Cool, so, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah. So, a little quick interview. How's how's quarantine life for you? Well, that's all right. Yeah, just go go to work and then I go home and play golf and drink a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You back you back on the drinking wagon? Yeah. I like I it. I started drinking right when the stay stay at home order <laughs> went in. And basically me and Lucy looked at each other and like fuck it. Let's go. Spent a hundred dropped a hundred bucks at the liquor store that day. Yeah, I've done the same. And uh it's been nice. Drinking again? Yeah. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> How's everything else? Oh, fine. I guess. Yeah. I mean, we miss you. I miss everybody. Yeah. Right. I don't fucking see anybody 
So we're talking about, I was talking to Tyler about it today, I don't know if you can escape, maybe in the next week or two, but doing like a special Star Wars, like, we, I know we've discussed like multiple Star Wars episodes and mo- and all that through this entire podcast, but maybe doing just a chronological, like actual Star Wars episode for May the 4th, because it, it's on a Monday, so if we recorded the week before... Well, I can do it as long as the stay-at-home order gets lifted. Right. But if, if it doesn't, then... Then no. Maybe we can figure a way to do it over the f- phone or I don't know, whatever, but... What are you talking about? We're doing this over the phone right now. Yeah. If there, right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so does UPS issue you special brown colored masks? Uh, no, someone at work, actually just someone's mom, I think, made a bunch. I have one, but I haven't worn it yet. <laughs> but they're not brown. Yeah, someone made a brown ones. Someone's mom made brown ones. Special for you guys, yeah. That's what we 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 talked. I don't know if you listened to like last week's episode, but I haven't. This this has been like, if you're in the podcast, it's like podcast heaven right now. I can't keep up with anything. There's so many being churned out, and they're all like Good. two hours long. <laughs> like yeah, instead of interviewing one pe- person, they interview like three people. But most of it's over fucking Zoom or Skype or some shit, and it's like glitching out, and it kind of sucks. Everything's over Zoom. It seems like Zoom is. Taken Except it's world. getting hacked all the time, so there's like random dudes like naked walking into people's meetings and stuff. It's pretty fucking funny. It's just like a. a <laughs> have you seen? Yeah, it's really funny. I like, have not seen any. Like some hacker randomly like does 12 it. Twelve dicks on one Zoom call. No, seriously, and some guy all like talking to each other. Some guy just comes into like a meeting and like everybody's like, uh, hello, and the guy's like, oh, sorry, and he just stands up and walks away, and the dude's <laughs> naked and stuff. Like fucking weird <laughs> shit's happening. That's hilarious, dude. So I just like. I talked, like, last night I had a, like, a half hour long conversation with Tyler and one with Zandra, and then I was on, like, a two hour call with Scott. Just a phone call? Well, me and Scott call each other and play golf. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. uh, (laughs) That's funny. Just get worse and worse as the night goes on. (laughs) But yeah, I have it, like, set up in my room, so. I like hanging out with the family, then Scott calls, and I just disappear for two hours. Fuck yeah, man. It's like, where are you going? It's like, Dad's going to go play his video game. Say goodnight. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite film score before you have to get out of here? Well, or several. It doesn't have to be one. Drop a couple on us. I mean, I don't know. Off the top of my head, they're the obvious Star Wars and Jurassic Park and John Williams, anything. Expected Star Wars when you when you said that. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. No, I'm good. not well versed in composers. I probably could recognize like four or five. Oh yeah, no, I'm terrible. This is gonna be a horrible episode for anything. <laughs> so after, if if you listen to this episode after you get through all the good podcasts, like and then listen to our uh, our uh, Spotify playlist after the fact. Okay. So. There you go. They're all good podcasts. I just can't. There's like some I listen to every day or three days a week when they come out, but they're just like, and my shifts are getting shorter, so there's not like random ones I can throw in. Like I just listened to like Conan's podcast for the first time in like a month. <laughs> yeah, his his newest one this week with uh, Kevin, Kevin Neal. Yeah, that's what I listened to. 
Kevin Nealon's like one of my favorite people. Oh, he's great. He talks so much shit to Conan. Like him and Martin Short both like they just tear into Conan. Yeah, it's hilarious. That's awesome. He's the best part about weeds by far. For sure. <laughs> when he has to get his dick slammed in the drawer. Like my favorite thing that happens in a TV show ever. <laughs> All right, Dieter, we'll let you go, man. I got a few more minutes. Okay. So, well, who's your favorite composer? CBS. If you can name one other than John Williams, that's it. That's the only name I know. Danny Elfman, the Ice Pirates, oh, guy, the Ice Pirates Danny guy. Elfman. Yeah, I do like that guy. So, the do last- I have a good score. Starship Troopers has a good score. Yeah. <laughs> Who did that one? Do we know? I don't know. I don't know that. Paul Verhoeven? <laughs> <laughs> the name you made That's up? a director for sure. That's the director, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Maybe. maybe like, I know that name. Oh, my God, dude. I listened to the rewatchables about Basic Instinct. That was a <laughs> crazy movie set. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I just added, like, maybe eight. Movies on the Plex that was, you know, NC- mostly based on Connor's request, but since 69 oh my, is coming up. NC-17 upload is what that was. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, 69, we're going to do, I don't know, I guess our favorite nudity scenes or sex well, scenes or you whatever. Upload, you uploaded Blue is the Warmest Color, which is... Super graphic. Basic instinct. Yeah. Basil Henry and June. <laughs> Basil Pulidouris. He's a American, oh, American he, Greek composer. He's done a lot of I stuff. I think Conan the Barbarian. I, I think for names, it's pronounced Basil. Basil. But he did Conan, Conan the Destroyer, Hunt for Red October, Red Dawn, Starship Troopers, RoboCop, Free Willy, The Blue oh. Lagoon, um, Free Qu- Willy, Quigley Down Under, Serial Mom. Les Miserables. This dude's this dude's fucking a list. Yeah. Fucking a list. Wow. We never talk about him. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know that name. Cecil B. <laughs> Demented. I don't know. I, I only White Fang. That, I recognize that name because it's brought up in uh, Ready Player One, the the book. Oh. I guarantee you one thing. Iron Eagle. I'm not going to be able to find torrents of any of those. So Cecil B. Of the soundtracks. Eagle, so so yeah. you don't oh, think? Maybe if you. Fuck no, dude. Bullshit. It's so hard to find soundtracks. <laughs> like a soundtrack that's not just like a bunch of various artists on yeah. a sound like film scores. Les it's so hard to find. Les Miserables like all over the fucking place. I buy them most of the time. Flight of the Intruder. <laughs> Come on, man. I couldn't find 1917, so I fucking bought it. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I bought a fucking CD because I couldn't find it. Really? Yeah. I bought a CD. I can only play it in the PlayStation. That's the only thing I can play CD. Most piraters on the internet are not film score fans. That's all I have to yeah, say. They're a bunch of fucking twats, but... Like, all I want is go. movies and TV shows, and that's it. Like, come on. So spread the love everywhere. Because of this episode setting for this episode today, like the um the guy that does the guy from uh, Life Aquatic that plays all the David Bowie songs. Sue George. Yeah. Or I mean, Sue Jorge. I don't know. I'm looking for his Life Aquatic. I think it's just album. Joe. It's French, right? So the O R J. Oh, is it? No, no it's it's Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> Sue Joe, that sounds cool. I think, I think, also sounds Asian. I think I he's know. actually Portuguese, but Joe. <laughs> anyway, they they released like all the David Bowie shit 
like he did an album of all the David Bowie songs that he does yeah, on I vinyl. Think, I think I have that on my phone. He I know, tore I have that it as, way. We should have gone. I have it as well, but like I'm looking for the vinyl, and it goes anywhere from like thirty dollars to like five hundred dollars. Uh, and I, I want to know why it's such a, a wide gap. That's his variation. Because the ones that are selling for five hundred dollars are just greedy assholes. Yeah, but they're yeah, that's weird to me. Someone in Boulder, probably. Somebody in fucking Boulder. <laughs> Fucking twat waffles. You can just drive there and fucking rob them. Yeah, that's been the first place I'm going to go. <laughs> fucking assholes are like, oh, we don't like violence and angry things. and oh, uh, Yep. Give just them knock them shit. down, shit on their face, and they won't even care. Like, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Like, why are you saying sorry to shit on your face? Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. You should be. And you're like, I ate plastic the other day. Wearing fucking, and like, get this shit off my face. <laughs> wearing, wearing their fucking Crocs and their fucking like yoga pants. Fuck those people. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> For show. Jeez, Scott Campbell lives in Boulder. I guess it makes sense. Yeah, you don't like him. I know. Yeah. Much love. It's pounds it's, out. Uh, is there any news? There's like no news. We were going through. The, well, Not I was, really. was going to do the last. <laughs> I was going to go the last piece of news. You want to hear the last piece? Brian Brian Dennehy died today. Tommy Boy's dad. So uh, he was he was 81. Was it a heart attack? It was not a heart attack. It was just like natural causes. It wasn't Rona either. It was not Corona. Good. Well. So rest in peace. He was in uh, a lot of things. He was in Rambo. Yeah. He was in Tommy Boy. Just watched Tommy Boy the other day. So good. He was in. The TV show The Blacklist, which I kind of like. Oh. He was in that movie Tag. He was Randy's dad. Um, he was in all sorts of shit. It's got to be a deep list. He's that movie The Big Year time. with Steve Martin and Jack Black and Owen Wilson. He was Jack Black's dad in that movie. And I the, like that. The Big Year? Yeah, I like that movie a lot, that actually. That was good. Um, he was in that, that show t- Rules of Engagement. He was in... 30 Rock. Kojak. Ratatouille. He was the dad in that. Oh, yeah. Okay. He was in Kojak, yeah. That's, um... Anyway, he died today. So, rest in peace. R.I. Pizzle. Summer Catch. He was the coach. Freddie Prinze Jr. Oh, the classic. Yeah, Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jessica... Beal. Beal. And uh, who else is in that? Matthew Lillard. Oh. I have not seen that movie in... No. I went to the, since it came out. I actually went to the theater to watch that movie, weirdly. Dish oh. Dogs, he was in that movie. Remember? He must be friends with Matthew Lillard. <laughs> um, Death of a Salesman, though. That's kind of his biggest... Like, one of his big things. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we love you, Tom. Thanks for calling us. Yeah. Thanks for being on, being remote. <laughs> and uh, Trolls is on Plex, so you All guys right. can watch that tonight. Oh, my God. The Trolls World Tour, right? That's the right one? Yep. Yep, excited for that one. Okay, cool. You sound like it. Thanks. Bye, <laughs> <laughs> right, boys. Love you, bro. Out of that dream sequence of Tom being on the phone. It's funny. Yep, that's what that noise is. Dance to do the other ending. This is a Scooby Doo <laughs> ending. <laughs>
So uh, that was the end of the news. That was a nice little treat, though. It was good to see him. It was a good treat. We're all trying to just maintain in this crazy time. Sure. Yeah. I've used my phone for FaceTime quite a bit. Yeah? You haven't FaceTimed me once. Yeah, but I still get to see you. So You hadn't for a while. Yeah, you know. But now I am, so it's fine. I see CBS and then a couple work people, that's it. And the Asians of the liquor store. <laughs> I'll come work a shift for free. Yeah. I just run that. it by Lisa. I talked about that. I said that I think that I'm just going to try and get, not try, but just like, because I don't have to try and do anything. I'm just going to be like, yeah, these people need to be fired and then just hire you back. Yeah. I mean, I would just do it out of pure boredom to fucking do something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Legalities ensue. You know how she likes to follow the rules, so. Right. All right, so tonight we're doing a um, top, top favorite film scores. I kind of did, like, individual tracks from all the movies. Um, I mean, I could I could do, like, just to pick the movie and do it, but obviously that's a lot easier. But there's specific tracks and specific movies that I picked. But I figured we'd just go back and forth, kind of, and uh, CBS isn't the biggest film score fan. Nope. He doesn't like laughter or music, unless it's Prodigy. It's- not true. Fun either count. But I do prodigy, like the prodigy, huh? I do like the prodigy. That's true, but it's not the prodigy or yeah. prodigy. The prodigy. Okay. I think it's just prodigy, isn't it? Two different things. There's Actually, it's prodigy without prodigy without the the is two different artists, and then the prodigy is a different artist. Yeah. But I can rule one prodigy out which, which because one, it's hip hop, and I know you're not talking about that. Which one does? So, the, which one does the Blue Monday cover? How does it feel to treat me like you do? Isn't that prodigy? No, so. that's uh. Not handsome. Yeah. No. That's someone else, but I know what you're talking about. It's prodigy, I think. It's not prodigy. I think so. The '90s prodigy was like. I'm the fire starter. No, 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 no. That one, that's Prodigy. Twisted fire starter, yeah. There you go. That. <laughs> huh. and but that, The Prodigy. And that Blue Monday song. Has made a lot of good movie music. I think. Or I guess it's just their music is used in movies. Yeah. Like, Kick-Ass had some of their songs in it. Oh, yeah. Both of them, I think. Yeah, maybe. I can't really remember what happened in the... Orgy. Orgy, there it is. (laughs) Orgy. Prodigy, orgy, same thing. Pretty close. I mean, they're both words, so yeah. (laughs) They're both both words. They're both words and things and stuff. Orgy, prodigy. Yeah. They both end in G-Y. They do. They're both both words and things and people. They both have O-N-R-N-G and Y. So, pretty close. (laughs) Sure. All right. So my, go ahead. You start. What were you gonna say? I didn't say who wants to start first. Okay. So my first one that I picked, um, I picked Howard Shore from Fellowship of the Ring, and the track that I picked was The Shire is my favorite one because I like the happier ones from Lord of the Rings movies. Tyler likes he likes the more sad and scary ones. I've noticed. All right. All right. Here's what I noticed when I was making 
a playlist on Spotify today is that majority of the individual songs from film scores that I really, really like are haunting or majestic. More so haunting. Right. But still, I like some of the majestic ones, too. Right. So, yeah. And what I noticed about me is the ones that I really love a lot are very fiddle-heavy in the orchestra. There's a lot of fiddle stuff in it. Like, And I was like, huh. All right. Well, I have, I have, you know, I did, my list is just film scores based on the entire score, but I have a song from Fellowship of the Ring, and it was Balan's Tomb. Very scary. Which is, you know. In the Mines of Moria. In the Mines. From which one? Run, you fools. Fellowship of the Ring. Run. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But it, that one, you know, I have, I was telling Josh, I have, I have the, the complete recordings of all the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and each movie is like three to four discs. So Jesus. all together, if you were to listen to all of it, it's like 10 or 11 hours. That's freaking crazy. But it's awesome. Also, <laughs> have I sat through and just listened to the whole thing start to finish? No. But So as you listen to this, though, you're not going to be able to hear these. So what Tyler and me did is we made a playlist on Spotify... The name of the playlist is NBD Film Score Playlist. So never been done, but NBD pl- Film Score Playlist. And the first 15 are going to be mine, and the last 15 plus will be Tyler's. So the first half, mine will end on the Batman theme from by Danny Elfman, and then his will start. Um, mine will start on... Uh, what is it called? It's a 1917 track by Thomas Newman. Cool. So, so the 1917 song will be the start of Tyler's, and we'll share that on all the social medias and all that stuff. But it also, if you want, if you're listening to this and want to know, it's on Spotify. Just search for um, MBD Film Score playlist. So, so that was my first one. Was the first? Yeah, the first one I took down was 1917 Thomas Newman. And I was trying not to double up on composers, and I might have a few times, but 1917 was so... Every track is so different, but still so similar to what's happening in the story that I just had to go with it. Right. So, just to rewind just one second on, to mind, the reason I chose that one for on Fellowship was, like, the way that the, the Shire exists like the feeling of the Shire and like the way that the composer makes you feel is like it's they're happy, joyful people. And they're like, they just have like an innocence about them. And the way that that, that spe- specific track, when you listen to it, like you feel like you're in the Shire like that. That's why I like that one specifically. Cause it's like green and lush and people who just like are joyful and drink and eat a lot of food or happy. That's kind of how it makes me feel when I listen to that score. And same with like the 1917, like, it was. I didn't pick one off of there because I knew Tyler was going to, but I was like, that whole score I thought was incredible. Definitely, it's. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I can't remember the last time I bought a CD. Right. A CD, like, fuck, five or six years ago, maybe. Sure. And I couldn't find this one anywhere for download or even like. Somewhere I wanted to purchase it digitally online. 
So yeah, I bought it because I liked it that much. I wanted to buy the vinyl, but it was like 40 bucks. And I was like, eh. Mm. Could one vinyl hold all of it? It would be probably two records. It's probably, okay. it's probably two records, but. Yeah. Still, 40 bucks is like, that's a little past my limit. You can get like, you can get like 30 plus minutes per side of a 12 inch. So it'd be like a double record. Yeah, depends. And if it's 180 gram, then it's probably even higher. I mean, probably less minutes per side. But um. yeah. So the next one I picked was Danny Elfman. Can I put one in there? I got one. Yeah, yeah. Do maybe, it. maybe two. If we get to the end of this thing. I know which one. I I picked one for you earlier. It's good. We will use that at some okay. point. So the Superman theme song. So the uh, the Raiders March, which is uh, John Williams. Well, that's on mine. Makes sense. It's John Williams. That's Indiana Jones. Raiders March is Indiana Jones. Was that not the... No. Hang on. Is that not the title for that thing? Raiders just, March is from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ma- Superman What's theme is just called song? Superman main title, I think, or yeah. something. Or yeah. Super, yeah. yeah. That song, then. That's a good one. I knew one of you would want that, so I didn't use it. Are you sure it's not what someone's called? Raiders March is from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Huh. Right. And I have... That one, actually. No, you have that one. <laughs> I do have that one. I have a different Indiana Jones song. Sweet. Yeah, we contemplated doing John Williams. We were like, let's save it. I want to do... I want to put John Williams, either sandwich him in the middle or do him directly before or directly after we do Steven Spielberg, because I feel like Spielberg is going to be two episodes if we stick to our two and a half hours-ish. Sure. And then put... John, because they they're so closely like together. Mm-hmm. All right. But yeah, the Superman one to me, it's that it's that majestic feeling that Tyler was talking about. It 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 feels very like. I guess majestic is. I would call it a household. Well, maybe not completely household, but a very closely household recognizable theme song as well. You know? There's not many of those. And I think most of them belong to John Williams. But right. I would say Superman is one of them. For sure. So I guess the name of it is actually called Save Me. Like the initial song. The John Williams score version of it, I guess, is different, but... Yeah, I don't know what it says about it. It was written by a uh, Rami Zero. Rami Zero? Rami Zero. No. Uh, huh. It's called Save Me. But mm. that's all right. It's called Prelude to the Main Title March is the name of it. From the, the, from the, from the, from the movie version, the John Williams version. Yeah. But like with the, the song prior to John Williams doing it, I guess that Zoe person did. Mm. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's still a cool song. So, the do 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 do. Yeah, yeah. It's John. The Williams. opening yeah. straight up is John Williams. Yeah. This thing says Rami Zoe, but that doesn't matter because it's John Williams that orchestrated it for the film. So ultimately, who wrote it doesn't necessarily matter. Well, on Spotify, I would say the writer is what it would say, but it doesn't. It says John Williams. Okay, but. Well, Google's wrong. That's fine. They've been wrong before. They'll be wrong again. Um, so, I picked Danny Elfman, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, the 
Overture, The Big Race is my next one. I knew you were going to pick that. Which it's like, <laughs> it's fucking fantastic. He does like that movie a lot. That movie's so great, though. And... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which late night show was he on? He was on one recently. Mm-hmm. Ruben's. No idea. He was on something. You know what I'm talking about, Josh? He was on... Um, I saw it on YouTube, like... Not that long ago. Well, he was on Conan. Conan. The, the, yeah. the, no, but not actual Conan though. He was on like Conan's. Um, Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Like his podcast, Paul Rubens was recently. I saw him on a show though. He was on one of the late night shows. Oh. But they were talking about bringing back his show or something, weren't they? Yeah, there's been talk about it being like there a Netflix show that. or some shit about doing Pee Wee's Playhouse again. Yeah. Weird, but yeah. That show was so awesome, though. Like, the way that, like, the people that were in it and just, like, the craziness that ensued, like, how they let that be on TV and how they how they even pitched that show to begin with is blows my mind. But, yeah. I do like that music. I like the music more than I like the movie. It's, like, one of the best adventure movies ever. Yeah. Tell them Large Marge sent you. <laughs> Man. I think it was just a... A timing thing for me as a child. It's understandable. You know? Understandable. Tyler was next. I've got Vangelis Alexander. You guys remember Alexander? Oliver Stone movie, 2004. Colin Farrell played Alexander. Colin Farrell and Jared Leto. Not the best movie. It's pretty good. But the score is fucking great. You know, classic Vangelis, like Blade Runner, or um, what's the really big one he has? The fucking Olympic one? Chariots of Fire. There you go. Yeah, like that guy. But, yeah. Super solid. Very, very majestic. Kind of hard, like, once you're listening to it to stop. Like, hypnotizes you. To an extent. All right. So, for CBS, I picked one for him. And it's a Ice Pirates love theme by Bruce Broughton. Broth. 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 Brothen. I think it's just pronounced Broughton. Broughton? I think. Bruce Broughton. Nice. And I figured, I was just like, Ice Pirates score. That, I remember it being pretty, like, those 80s movies had good scores, like, regardless. And so I figured, like, even if it's a really horrible, like, <laughs> movie, the score would be decent. You know, I feel that way about all 80s music, too. Not just the film scores, but just, like, you know. But even, like, last night, CBS, we were watching, we tried to watch License to Drive before it started, like, freezing up on us. But, like, the scene where he's on the bus, and, like, the bus driver's trying to lock him on there, and he's trying to escape the bus, like, that, the score of that is even really good. Like, they just did a really good job before they just relied so much on, like, just songs. Like, this mm-hmm. It's definitely a different thing, movie-wise. There's not, you don't have theme songs for movies anymore. So when I started playing, really. when I started playing that song earlier, how did it make you feel inside? Which one? The Ice Pirates song. 
Huh, I thought it was weird that you had it on your phone. That's what, that's what I thought. You saw like a, a twinkle in his eye? You know like how Chris Kringle gets that twinkle in his eye? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. When you talk when you talk about play it or like even just like think about Ice Pirates, CBS gets a twinkle in his eye. I do like the Ice Pirates, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. There you go. <laughs> So, my next one is Trevor Jones, Last of the Mohicans, and I chose, um, there's two tracks specifically, but the one that I like the best is called The Kiss, and then the main title, of course, is, like, very epic, but The Kiss has that in it, but it starts with this amazing fiddle piece that I just think is is awesome, and... Um, I've always loved the soundtrack. I think. That's the thing about film scores. It's like, I'd say 15% of the time, the main title is the best song. You have to like really listen to the whole thing to find, like, there's always a song in there that has elements from the main title, but then some other shit. But I feel like a proper composer interweaves the main title through almost all of it yeah. slightly. And like John Williams, the w- the way he did... I mean, that's probably what... He, he's the greatest film composer of all time. No argument. I, th- I mean, there's, he's leaps and bounds of everybody, but the way he, like, interweaves a song from Attack of the Clones, when there's, like, pieces of that in Last Jedi, like, just, there's, like, it's pretty incredible to me. Yeah. Being able to think that way is impressive. Um, any idea how you do it? There's a lot of that, and this isn't on either of our lists, but like Rise of the Skywalker, there was some, there were some moments in there where there's just nostalgia all over the place, but it's still like reinvented. He's just, I feel like he's just wrapping it all up, like disclosure yeah. and like all these tracks. Like, it was hard for me to pick a Star Wars one on my list. Well, I'll get to it, but it was just because some of them, man, just they're so epic and so great. But I and there's really good individual songs from. Each, each movie. movie, so right. it's hard to really be like, oh, I'm going to choose this one, but I like these seven others. So but as that's far, why eventually we'll do a John Williams episode and we'll fucking talk about it then. But as far as epicness and like majesticness, I think that this Trevor Jones from Last of the Mohicans is probably at the top of my list on that style. For sure, that's a good one. I knew you'd pick it too. So I've got Johan Johansson, rest in peace, who died, I don't know, a couple years ago, I think, 2018, for Arrival. That was a very good one. And this one, particularly the song I chose, which is called Heptapod B, which is like maybe the second or third song in the movie, um, there's all kinds of instruments i don't recognize in it and sounds and things that maybe aren't even made from instruments so it's one of those things where it's like it's so amazing but i don't know how they made some of the the different elements of this soundtrack sure really cool very otherworldly um yeah crazy shit cool and this is one of the guys I was like following pretty closely at that time 
that died, and then that was it. Like, he was making the music for Blade Runner 2049 before he died, and then they had to have someone else come in and, and do it because he was only a part of the way done. It's crazy. But yeah, like I, I'd followed him for a few years and his shit was really good. And then that was it. It's like, that kind of sucks. But yeah, listen to that track. It's, it's got voices and sounds and shit. I can't even put a finger on. Like, I don't even know what it is, but that was kind of, it was kind of a metaphor for the whole movie probably, which was like, they're speaking all kinds of different languages that no one understands, and they made music for this movie that no one fucking understands also. Right, but I think, like, the one of the tracks at the beginning and one of the tracks at the end, just like the language is, like, it's the same notes, just backwards. Just yeah. like the language. It's all about palindromes in that movie. It's, like, crazy how, like, he scored the film. It's pr- very amazing, and, like, yeah. the guy that t- took over kind of had to... Like it was figuring how to do it. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing. That's crazy. As far as music goes, man, like I think scoring a movie, there's a lot to it. I get like uh, visual effects and writing it and the story and the emotion, but like without without a score, it just doesn't exist. Like I think it's one of those things that like people appreciate when they're seeing a movie, but then the second they're done seeing it, it's like out of their mind. You know, it's like just but, about the movie but then when you think superman you like you start humming you mm-hmm. you know like you just like you start it just i think that it's something that's just overlooked and take like not appreciate as much as it should it's be. definitely not and i think for me it's like music can make a movie better to me but then if a movie obviously didn't give a shit about its music it can make that movie worse to me but i think the general consensus is not that. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, not everyone really appreciates... I mean, you have to write all that music and then have a whole fucking orchestra play it and kill it. Like, yeah. no, that's so crazy to me that... The amount of work that goes into it. Yeah. Versus like, I can't even fathom in my mind no. what it's like to be a fucking composer. There's no way. You have to know every instrument. Yeah, you have to know every instrument. And you have to, in your, in some way, shape, or form, write every part for every instrument for that. Exactly. Like, you start with, you start with one instrument and get the basis and then you slowly build it and it's like, it, that's insanity. That's why there's not very many pro- actual composers and, like. Sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can sit there and, like, one person can, like, program, like, a, a piano keyboard thing and then like, but an actual full-on but real deal shit like that's insane yeah it's I've got a lot of respect for these peeps sure what's next what we got got one CBS I mean it's not the same after all that smart talk it's gonna sound super stupid no Uh, none of it's stupid we have a couple that are pretty stupid but they're fantastic as well Mm -hmm. though well it's by Kenny Loggins that help at all? That's his song. That's something. No, no, that's a guy. That's a guy. I know. Kenny, well, Kenny yeah. Loggins does the Top Gun one. Danger Zone, yeah. Do do yeah. do do. That's yeah. I didn't put yeah. that on mine. Danger that's Zone. Good. That's that's the one I was saying. Very epic. Top for Gun. sure. Danger Zone. Kenny Loggins sings it. Like, I don't know who wrote the music, but 
He's the one credited as the song being his well, song, so. Well, there's no, which one though? The, not, not this, the, uh, well, both of them actually. The, just the music that's the music goes behind the planes so flying. Just the, just the music would be the music. score. Yeah. But like the song, the song Danger Zone is a different song in the same movie. So that's a song. It's so not, not quite the same movie thing. all together. How about that? So like you would do like the opening intro. Like yeah, the, I have no idea who made that. I don't know enough about that movie to know who sure scored Ken, it. I think Kenny Loggins is that too, because it's a guitar thing. Yeah, maybe I don't know enough to know that. But yeah, it's the yeah the do 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 thing. It's the opening whenever the sun comes up and then you open up with the planes taking off the deck. It's yeah, it's awesome. I don't know if you know that yeah. music or not, but I like that. Yeah, that's good. Harold Faltermeyer. Is that who did it? And Steve Stevens. There you go. This is the Top Gun anthem. Sweet. So, uh, so my next one. Well, there's not. I don't think there's a soul out unless you just never have seen Top Gun. But like when you play that Top Gun anthem. Everybody's like fucking like even when you start playing guitar, everybody likes like I learned how to play the Top Gun anthem like meow, meow, meow. like they're trying to like it's right. like it's like a thing yeah it's like a feeling like and I when I saw the uh, trailer furs for Top Gun two yeah and they like they throw that in there I'm like yeah it's pretty impressive hell motherfucking yeah yeah I can't wait for that shit yeah so excited that's one of the most I'm most excited for. So, yep, definitely uh, into that. I did John Williams. This is like, I only, I do two John Williams tracks, but, um, I picked the Lumos Hedwig's theme from the prisoner, Harry Potter, the prisoner of Azkaban. And I picked that one specifically because as the series progresses, the main titles, it's similar, but it, 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 it grows with the, with the movies. And it changes slightly, and I think that that being my favorite movie, I like that tra- that that version of it the best, and that's why I picked that one. And again, right. John Williams is do like just creating this magical, mystical like feeling when you hear that sound, like he him just getting to feel the movie and knowing this is about wizards and magic and that him being able to feel that and be able to convey that to like the audience. That's what made me like it so much. Sure. Like yeah. Yep, I like that one too. Should probably replace that on my score. I have like a big score playlist, but I just have the OG uh, Sorcerer's Stone one. But, but the simplicity of the first one is really, really good. And I, I listened to several of them, like trying to find like, and I didn't, I didn't pick the one from Prisoner of Azkaban because it's my favorite of the movies, but I. As I was listening to all of them, they're all a little bit different. And I went back. I was like, that, this one's like the best to me. And that's why I like it the best. But, and there's other, there's other parts to those movies that I think that are really good, but that's probably my favorite. Hells yeah. I've got as my next Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard duo for Batman Begins. Uh oh. And I think this is probably like the best duo from any composer duo I've heard for a movie, which hasn't happened a lot, but it's happened a lot in the last 10 to 15 years. But yeah, it's, it's, 
of any comic book movie in the last, I don't know, what, 20 years, I'll say, I think this is the best score. And it's really cool, too, because every single track from this album, every track is named after, after a different species of bat. Oh, Cor- really? Coronavirus? Yeah. Is that huh. one? <laughs> it's not it could thing. be now, but <laughs> it wasn't then. <laughs> I did know that, actually. We talked about that when we did... Um, Chris Nolan. Right, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, we did. But sometimes when you have two different composers team up to do something, like it hasn't always turned out great. And this one turned out really well, I think. So, yeah. Cool. Just a big fan of that all around. So, I don't know what the name of the thing is because I don't know the name of the song. But Alan Silvestri, Silvestri, mm-hmm. from Back to the Future, like the theme song for Back to the Future. I don't know what that character's called, but I like that. Well, so, well, that's good, cause I, because he talked about the best duo, and you're talking about Back to the Future, I'm going to talk about my pick of that, which is Alan Silvestri, Silvestri and John Delaney in Back to the Future Part 2 and my favorite track is The Letter it's the one where like Marty receives the letter at the end of Back to the Future 2 sure yeah and like that's my favorite track of all the Back to the Future stuff because it kind of incorporates a little bit of everything it's kind of mixed it's got the magical like like the like the but it's just kind of and then it has the epicness towards the end of it and he's like Doc's alive he's in 1885 and then like but that's a duo that I thought was an amazing duo there you go to like to to rival Tyler's kind of bridges there, yeah. Yeah, so like that, that's a cool like yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the name of the opening song is, but I think it's just called. Uh, it might, it might be. Yeah, but yeah, as a thing, main title or theme. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at my list and it's pretty long, but I want you to know how hard it was for me to do this because I have like five hundred and fifty. Film scores. <laughs> That's crazy. So it, it was, was really fucking hard for me to narrow this shit down as much as I did. Good job. <laughs> okay, so you're ne- you're, you're next because he did his, I did that thing. Yeah, we kind of did it together. So, so there's okay. team, teamwork there, and I don't have any more list after that. So. I've got Danny Elfman, Beetlejuice. Oh, just classic, fucking yeah. great. Maybe one of the first times, even though I was really young, that I actually appreciated music from a movie. And you would think that would probably come from Star Wars, but I think I didn't really watch Star Wars until after... I think it was like the early 90s when I first saw the Star Wars movies, so... And I'm pretty sure I saw, you know, Beetlejuice in the first Batman movie before those. And even though I don't have Batman on here for Elfman, both of those, for me, go hand in hand. Like, they're both really good. Sure. But something about the Beetlejuice music just, like, stuck with me. Danny Elfman has this style. It's very unique to him. Yeah. And I I don't know what it... I, I, it's it, to an extent, like, something you ex- you would expect to see at, like, a circus or something, but, like... Yeah. Kind of, yeah. More... Uh, it's kind of chasey. Like, yeah, like, how how, yeah. To, how to really pinpoint it, like, kind of circusy, but classier than that still somehow you know i don't know yeah i mean 
I mean, Pee Wee has that different, like, circus style. But a lot of his stuff does. But then the Batman title does as well, like, kind of. And then Beetlejuice, but it's like, it's very comedic, but, like, there's a darkness to it, too. Like, a hidden darkness, kind of. Like, it's kind of hard to explain. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they throw these minor keys in there that you're like, oh, that was weird. Like, just watch every Tim Burton movie. Yeah. Just, just do that. <laughs> Except for... There's a couple. You don't have to watch. I won't mention them. <laughs> uh, silly. But yeah, for Beetlejuice, actually, it's just the main title track. That's my favorite. But Sure. Because the whole time, it's just like a camera panning over what looks like a neighborhood, and it's just like that whole model neighborhood yeah. in the fucking attic. Which <laughs> is awesome. Way harder than building, you think. Yeah. So, you know, you haven't, you, not looking at nothing? No. Um, so the next one I have is, I think, it's kind of a weird, because I don't know if it's necessarily a score, but it is a score, but, um, the Vince, um, Guaraldi trio from the Charlie Brown cartoons, but like Charlie Brown Christmas specifically, the Lucy and Linus. Do, 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 do. Okay, yeah, like yeah. that. That is, it's so. What's the name of it? It's called the, the the actual track is called Lucy and Linus. Okay, but it's like it's in pretty much all of the peanuts. Say it's in all the peanuts movies. cartoons to yeah. an extent, but like it's you know Charlie Brown Christmas was the very first ma- major one, and like but him like his it's like this jazz trio is him the Vince um Guardiol um, trio. Sure. And it's just... No, yeah, it's iconic it's, music. Yeah, you hear it, you know what it is. I just added a... Just got a fucking Blu-ray rip of Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Did you see that? I have. Well, I have, yeah. In I just life. put it... Well, I just, like, just got put out on Blu-ray. But so. I have them all on... Like, they came in a Blu-ray pack that I have them all. Started, yeah. yeah. So that was my next one. Tyler? All right, I've got Michael Andrews for Donnie Darko. That's a good one. Very, very haunting, but mesmerizing. You know, like, it, it it's one of those that just I've listened to since I saw that movie. Yeah. Huh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, not much else to say about it, really, too. And that composer, like, I haven't really heard much else from him. Like, he made that really good score, and then kind of just, I don't know if he just does something else now or what, but that was amazing, and I thought he would go places and haven't really seen much movie stuff from him, so. Punched out, huh? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he just only does TV shit. Like, I don't really know. Didn't, oh, didn't do a lot of research yeah. about him, but my assumption would be he's doing TV stuff. Hmm. I think a lot of a lot of a lot of good composers get stuck in the TV world Writing theme when songs. they could definitely be doing movies, you know. Yeah. But so, if you listen to this far, I did add the three CBS gave us the oh the Spotify Superman. Ice Pirates and the Top Gun. Sweet. So. What about Back to the Future? What? Oh, you had that other one. Okay, then it's part of the same song, so it doesn't matter. You're good. 
Yeah. Next on your list? Next on my list, I did I did do, which we talked about earlier, the Raiders March from Raiders of the Lost Ark, so John Williams oh, yeah. again. So I did do, I did three three John Williams. I thought I only had two, but that is, I do have three. It's hard not to. But that, that one's just, it's, he has the last crusade. You talked about it a little bit, but like, that dun, 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 yeah. dun, it's just like it kind of flows through yeah, all the bits and pieces of it. Even the Temple of Doom one is really good, but it's just, not you know I didn't put it on my list because I thought Ra- or I thought Last Crusade was better still. I but. do yeah. What you got? I've got Carter Burwell for Fargo, the movie, not the TV show. Which, if you guys haven't seen that in a while, you should watch it. I'm well, just listen to the, mo- the music care, and care have seen it, but yeah, it was a good movie. Crazy, crazy haunting. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. You do go, you a go, lot of a lot of you, violins in that one. You go that I'd say. You, see, I think that's the difference: is you go more violin, I go more fiddle. Maybe, yeah. And they're both the sure. same instrument technically. They're just the way that it's played, almost. Yeah. Ah. Uh, so my next one was uh, this one's kind of off off the cuff a little bit, a little bit different. But Mark Mothersbra, Life Aquatic, from Steve Zissou, Life Aquatic. Okay. Very unique, very different. And it's like, it was almost either like, I kind of went in between this and um, the social network with Trent Reznor because like, they're very, both very different, like very different when it comes to like film scores, but they're both very brilliant in their own way. Hmm. It's super simple and super cartoony, but also like, I don't know. This, I don't know, it's hard to explain. For Mother's Ball, I was very close to putting Rushmore on mine. But didn't make it. And also with the social network, that was very close to being on mine. But I chose a different Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross score. So I'm sure you did. We'll get there. <laughs> right, you're up, dude. I'll just skip ahead to that. That can be a segue. Okay. So I was uh, like 98% going to put the social network. On mine, it's and it's really good. It deserves it's to be so on the list. fucking good. Like they won an Oscar for that. It's yeah. really, really, really good. But I had like I, I actually maybe listened to their tracks more than anyone else's just over this one debate. And mid nineties, the movie Jonah Hill made about skateboarding. Uh, yeah. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. It's only four songs, but it like. I listen to it and I just, I get the chills and I feel like I'm a kid skateboarding again. Like when I watch it or when I listen to it, I don't know. I feel like those guys like fuck Nine Inch Nails, just make movie music. Like just keep doing that shit because they kill it. And yeah. And to give Jordan Hill some credit, like that movie is very well written. Very well written. He didn't have money to pay Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross anything, and they fucking did it anyway. Like, so I think the ultimate they're they're just musicians who love music, and so they yeah. But that shit, like the song, I think it's called "The Start of Things." It's the first song in the movie. Is like it makes me want to fucking cry. It's so good. So I had to go that route. Cool. So this next one for me. Is like 
I think it's the most underrated that ev- either of any of us are going to talk about today. Because um, the movie, every time I watch the movie, I love it more. And it's about a musician, kind of. But it's like, it's very underrated. And the score, I don't even think got nominated. But it was, it's so fucking good. And like when you listen to that, when you watch that movie, the score is what brings that whole movie together. Which, which to be fair, is most movies, the score kind of is like the glue that holds the entire film together. But like the emotions of this movie are very like up and down, up drastically up and down. And it just, but it's um, Chris Bowers from the movie Green Book, and the specific tracks I picked, they kind of they. Blend into each other is the first is Dr. Shirley's Luggage, and then the next one is Happy Talk. And it's like, Viggo Mortensen, it's like, it's almost the music of when Dr. Shirley is talking to Viggo Mortensen's character, like when they're having these conversations with one another in the car. It's just like this happiness, like this, like, this friend, it, like, it makes you feel like you're friends. And like the, how these two people, regardless of their differences, like become friends. Right. And how do you convey that with music? How do you do that? And they like, they, Chris Bowers does that somehow. And I'm not, I, it's, yeah, that, I, that's why, that's why I picked this one. It's like super, like you could pick like all these massive crazy movies in, but Green Book, I think is such an amazing movie. And it's rewatchable to me too. Cause it's, it's, it's so good. It's, yeah, it's great. Movie wise. I'm surprised it didn't get nominated. That's, I don't. Huh. I think it was up against a lot of really good shit maybe that year, but. Because it was 18? Yeah. This is one, like, I don't know how this flew under my radar because I have stockpiles upon stockpiles of film scores and songs from movies, but somehow it did. I really like the movie. It's on a playlist of movies I plan to watch during this quarantine. <laughs> but haven't gotten there yet. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a really good one, and I'm gonna have to guarantee you I can't find that film score, but I can definitely take a couple tracks off of YouTube. Sure. What you got? I've got Hans Zimmer for Inception, which is probably my favorite ever. <laughs> um. Somehow they make a movie about being, you know, in dreams within dreams, and the music just feels like you're in a dream, too. So the track I chose was Dream is Collapsing, which is really like, this is very James Bondish scene. I don't know. It's it's like the best shit to me. I think... I think the first time I saw this movie in the theater and this song started, which is in, it's in like the first 20 minutes of the movie. I was just like, this is the best moment I've spent in a movie theater ever. I think that, I mean, just to, just on a blanket statement, second, I mean, if there's a second to John Williams, which. It's a drastic second. No offense to anybody by any means, but like I think Hans Zimmer. Hans has Zimmer to would be right there. Be, yeah, he's next in line. Because he's he's done so many epic film scores. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think he he's right there. You know, like John Williams obviously is the greatest of all time, but if I had to put someone second, it would be Hans Zimmer. The responsibility of a like a, a you know of someone who just creates music for a film, like just that you're you're, you're basically telling the audience what emotion they're supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. And you have to do that in a, such a subtle way that it's like... It didn't take over the actual movie? Right. Yeah. You know, like, in the, I mean, you've seen those videos of, like, they show the same scene of the movie, like, four times, and they put different music to each one. And like, oh, that's a comedy. Or, oh, that's a horror movie. Or, oh, that's a love movie. It's a, and like, it's the same scene of the same movie, and it's like, it's depending on the score you use it. And then it's like, so, like... Until a movie is properly scored, like you can't really give. Like, I mean, you could watch, you know, rough cuts of Avengers Endgame, and they never know what the scene's about, really, until you mm-hmm. like, truly get that that music. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next one I have is James Horner and from Braveheart. And the track I picked was a gift of a thistle, and it's like when young William Wallace gives the thistle flower to the his, sure, yeah, and like also rest in peace. Oh, yeah, yeah. He did, was it last year? He was longer ago. He was, was like seven? 2014 or something. His was a while back. I think the last movie he did was like Amazing Spider-Man Two or something. Like uh, it was a long time ago. I think. Or 2013. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, he, uh... 15. 15. Okay, that was close. But he's born in 1953, so it's just like... Damn. He had a decent run. Yeah. But he did, you know, he, he scored the Titanic, Avatar, Aliens... The one I would mention from his beautiful would be mind. A Beautiful Mind, which is very, 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 very haunting, so surprise, surprise. Legends of the Fall, Filled of Dreams. Um, Jumanji. Yeah, he's pretty He's pretty good. Yeah. Much respect. Troy. He did Troy. I like that one, too. That's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got... Next, I've got someone maybe, like... I was almost not going to pick, but they're on my watch list for, like, the next 40 years or however long they go. <laughs> I saw that when I was putting it onto the playlist. I was like, that's a good one. That's a sneaky one. Henry Jackman for Kong Skull Island. But Henry Jackman's, like, pretty young to be a, as successful a composer as he is right now. So I think he's got, like, a good 40-plus years of making movies, but... I think Kong Skull Island on the whole was kind of like an underappreciated movie in every aspect. And sure, yeah. the music was really, really good and very, I don't know, different all around from start to finish. Yeah, he's and, only 46 years old. Yeah, right? like he's got some time to make some cool shit. Right. But uh, the track I chose from that one's called The Temple. Which is when they find they find John C. Riley basically, like in that area of the movie. But that movie is so underrated. Such a good movie. Uh, so underrated. Yeah. Um, my next one I think is one of those eerie things. I go eerie with me because of the story behind it. But so my mom 
had this music box from when she was a child, and I've, I've told the story a little bit on the podcast before, like episodes and episodes ago, but um, I was home alone one time. They were out of town. My sisters were staying with somebody else because they were too young, and I was, I was just known to stay by myself, and s- something had shifted, and it had shifted, and she had this music box, and it played this theme, and um, it's Nino, Nino Rota, the Godfather, the love theme, the do 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 do, or like do 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 do. Oh, okay, do, do, sure. And then like something, had ha- I mean, you know, things happen, things fall, shift, whatever, creepily. And I heard this fucking music in my house, and I'm upstairs, and I just hear this music. What the fuck is that? And I'm like walking through my house, and I find this music box had fallen my mom's or like their closet, and like it had opened, and it was playing the theme from, from Godfather, <laughs> and it was. That song is so eerie, but so brilliant. It lingers for sure, dude. And years later, like, um, I was, I was, I've always been so in love with that song in such a weird way because it's called a love song. That like, I made it like a from somebody who was very important to me. I made it there when they called that. That's what would play, and like. Yeah, so that haunts me. Like, it's a very haunting song to me because it means, like, when that plays in my head, it, it reminds me of one person specifically. And it's a very, not in the best way, like, in a very, like, like gut-wrenching, like, but it's still, like, it still means a lot to you. Like, just, like, how, like, I think when they when they score these movies, how that means, so. Yeah, it's definitely up there. Makes me think of Marlon Brando for sure. For sure. All right, well, next, I uh, somehow went through everything and still still was able to find one for a sports movie. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> this is another one that I was surprised about. Before we... <laughs> I want to do a shot of tequila. With you. All right, tequila. Cheers. So, Michael Dana who I'm going to mention a different movie before the one I chose because this was a tough one. But he did a lot of the music for Little Miss Sunshine, which was really, really, really good. Sure, that's got to be good. But somehow I landed on this this baseball movie, Moneyball. Such a good fucking movie. It's like, it's incredible, but the music is really good too, and I think it's easy to overlook it in a sports movie because of what's going on and like a lot of sports movies don't have film scores it's more like you know regular songs here and there yeah, but super action like pop yeah like. and this one was just like it's from the scene where they win like whatever game makes them the most they like fu- the, the most the, games the, in a row in a season win, ever the win streak or whatever yeah and it's called I think the song is called the streak but and it's so powerful, especially with what's going on in the movie, where it's just like, oh, they use this fucking method, and but they're but they're playing the song, and they're kind of flashing this the the game a little bit, but Brad Pitt and Brad Pitt's doing, driving doing those fucking figure eights in that parking lot because he refused to go to the games because he was so like, like superstitious, and he's like driving down the interstate, and then his daughter calls him. And is like, they're going to do it. And he fucking busts a Yui and, like, goes all the way to the game. Right. But, yeah, like, it's just one of those really powerful scenes. 
and even though you get that a lot in sports movies, like film scores in sports movies, just they're they're generally not as epic, not as epic, and not as focused on. Right. Maybe you know, and this one was. But yeah, that was. I had to listen to that one for a while too, and I'm like, yeah, like I think a lot of my list. Is basically like, okay, I'm going to listen to these songs and see, like, which ones I can remember what scene it's from, and then if it gives me chills. Right. And when it gives me the fucking chills, I'm like, yeah, like, this is, I've read a lot about, and there's a term for it, and I don't know what it is, but, like, if if music gives you chills, you're supposed to be, like, just a more appreciative person in general. But a lot of these, like, they all give me fucking goosebumps. So, yeah. So, wow. I fell in a little bit of a rabbit hole because I think that these movies get overlooked when it comes to film scores, but they've been used so many fucking times in other movies that they just and trailers and trailers and everything they're yeah. just like they're used so often but the one I'm doing next is Elmer Bernstein The Magnificent 7 it's the main title and Calvera and it's like it was used the original movie and then a min- bazillion movies after that but then even the film the remake with Chris Pratt and all those dudes it was used again but it's like updated and cleaned up but like the 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 score from the Magnificent Seven was just amazing. Oh, that's crazy! And it's been used a million times, man. It's like you would never like when you hear it, you're like, oh yeah. And it's been in so many westerns, but not even just westerns, just movies in general. Like they use it like it's almost a joke, but it's not. You know what I mean? Right. And it's just it's just so epic. Right. Well, as far as the. Uh styling of a thing, yeah. It, it, reusability is definitely there for that. Um, there's another movie, that same dude, Elmer Bernstein, is, is Ghostbusters. Right. I'd say Ghostbusters would be... That'd be a good one, too, because when you hear the opening music for the ghosts, like, it's... Yeah. There's another one. I have one more, Ghostbusters. The op- opening track from the library. That that is a very good one. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll put. I'll throw I it couldn't on. tell you what what it's called, but give me one second. That's a that'd be good one. when you said Bernstein. I'm like, oh, I actually know that guy for something. <laughs> but yeah, that would be a the library sequence in the Ghostbusters movie. It is. Um, damn man, put me on a spot. Yeah, one well, wasn't. Yeah, you know, like I said, I don't have any idea what it's called. So. Uh, yeah, Elmer Bernstein, main title theme, yeah. See, it turns out I just like title themes, that's what I like. Well, again, like we talked about, though, like, it's the one that kind of weaves its way all the way through from beginning to end, you know? Right. So. The thing is, is you have to have a whole score and actually listen to all of it to find, like, that one track that's like, it has the theme and it has some other elements in there. Sure. And almost everyone has one. Right. Well, that Magnificent Seven thing bridged off that to Ghostbusters for Elmer. 
Same guy. What you got, Tyler? I've got... This is a tough one because I was trying not to use a composer more than once, but Clint Mansell for Moon. Do you remember that movie Moon with yeah. Sam Rockwell where he's on the moon? You haven't seen that? I don't think I've actually watched it. I, I'm, I remember the poster, but I don't really remember... I don't really remember the movie. So this was... Well, let me talk about the one that lost out, too, because I really want to mention it. But The Fountain, which we talked about, because oh, yeah. it was Aronofsky. This was tough to break this down. So with... But... So Moon wins because... It, I listened to both several times today, and I'm like... Moon just sticks with me more. It's more like... It just sticks in your brain. It's hard to get rid of it. And part of it was like Sam Rockwell's just on the moon by himself. Sure. Mining. Like, that's all it was. That's all the whole movie is. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I haven't seen that. But it makes you feel like the music makes you feel like you're on another planet by yourself. Huh. Right. And that's why I had to go with that one over the fountain because the movie is about you being on another Another planet. Planet by yourself. Huh. <laughs> All right. But, yeah. And I think maybe part of it, too, is that that movie was made by Duncan Jones, who is David Bowie's son. Oh, okay. So I think maybe... Yeah, I know that. You know, two, two musical minds together. Yeah. So, Josh, I had Clint Mansell for Moon. Yeah. Sam Rockwell is one of the most underrated actors of our generation by far. And Maybe I, not anymore, but he's still a little bit. He's like, definitely gotten his face out with the, the couple of He got the awards. Oscar. Yeah. He, he celebrated that. He's definitely... We celebrated that very hard. <laughs> and he deserved the fuck out of it because he's brilliant, but I still think he's a lot more underrated than people think. He's just so fucking good. But I was telling CBS this was a battle between The Fountain and Moon for Clint Mansell. I thought you put the fountain on here on your list. Yeah, but I narrowed it down to just Moon. Oh. Ultimately, because the movie is about you know someone being alone on another planet by themselves, and that's how the music makes me feel. So I was like, that one wins. But yeah, I mean, good shit. Yeah, man. So, whoo. Next one was um was a tough one for me because this song is like childhood just favorite um epic soundtrack epic movie just super crazy but it's hard to pick one song from this one but it's Klaus Doldinger 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 so this was a situation kind of like we had already discussed not in the <laughs> podcast but earlier where Klaus Okay, so like Hans Zimmer oversaw Pirates of the Caribbean 1, but credit went to Klaus Bedelt. This one, Klaus Doldinger oversaw it, but the credit went to Giorgio Moroder. For Neverending Story? Correct. Huh, because when I, when I, when I spotified it, just Klaus came up. It's Giorgio. Okay, so I chose Atreus Quest. Um, you must go alone. 
Yeah. You must take no weapons or no clothes. Not <laughs> betray you, the child. Betray you, the warrior. <laughs> but since you're a child, take off all your clothes. You have to go alone. That's creepy. Naked. When you say it that way. He's like, I'm taking my no, it's horse. It's like naked and afraid. We're gonna take your horse and your clothes. He's go. Like, he's like, it's fine. I'm taking my horse, but I'll go naked. And they're like, uh, okay. Put some dirty old bald men. But you anyway, don't get your bow and arrow either. Sorry, bro. He's like, I'm taking my horse. No clothes, no bow and arrows. Fine, but I'm taking my horse. Like, interesting. <laughs> it's a little weird. Yeah, that was very weird. Yeah, that's a good one. So. And I have from that movie Bastion's Happy Flight. So we got two tracks from that one. Hey, there you go. Mm-hmm. I watched that movie like two weeks ago. Is so that a new story? Calm it down. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, I made a, a massive playlist of movies for this whole situation. Like right. that I wanted to rewatch. To kind of force it, did you do it to like to force yourself to just like not rewatch other shit? You're like, I'm going to make a playlist and I have to go in order kind of thing? Well, I was starting like, it started, and I was watching movies I hadn't seen. Like, I'm going to watch this movie, this movie, this movie. And I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to revisit movies that I should revisit, revisit and watch again, you know? Yeah. Because there's more of those I'd probably appreciate more than watching some new bullshit movie. Because at this point right now, there's no new movies. You know what I mean? Like, all the digital movies I've gotten from things that have come out last year, like, it's over now. It's over. Right. There's no... There's some new movie... Oh, well, newer movie. I keep seeing ads pop up for it on uh, Instagram. And Scott, Johnny Knoxville is like a preacher on TV. Oh, Amanda sent me the tra- trailer for that the other day. It's, I can't um, remember what it's called, but I do want to see that. It's like, it's basically, like an, it seems to me, very updated The Craft Remember the, oh, the yeah. witch chicks? It's like some say, it's like these chicks who just murder a bunch of dudes. Oh yeah, Tori loves that movie, The Craft. Mm-hmm. But there's a new version of it. It's um, glimpse of my future, maybe. Hey, there yeah, possibly. Yes. Anyway, I saw the, the trailer's just been going everywhere, and I'm like, "What's Johnny Knoxville doing on this movie? He's on TV being a preacher. That's what he's doing." And it's got the lady from, uh. Oh, Alexandria yeah. Dodoria. Uh, awesome. I got a thing for her. She's something else. Nice tits, too. We Summon the Darkness is the name of the movie. There you go. When's that? Where? What platform is that going to be no on? No idea. Are they just going to digitally release it? Hmm. I don't know. Google it. So it was on that. I, I will say, since Johnny Knoxville came up, that I have been revisiting Jackass. So good. And I think we should do eventually like a whole episode just based on Jackass. Like the show, the movies, just spinoffs too. Yeah, like all of it. Just like so, we can talk about the Ringer because I like that movie. It says a 2019 film, but. Um. Huh. Rotten Tomatoes has it as 2020. I'll find it. Okay. With everything that's going on, it's got to be some sort of streaming service, I would assume, but... Probably. I bet it'll be on Netflix. It would make sense if it was. It'll be on something. 
Oh, I can watch it now on Amazon. Hey, or no, wait, wait, wait. What? YouTube. Oh. YouTube Red. Oh, weird. That means I'll just download it. Oh. <laughs> Unless you want to pay 15 hey, be- bucks for a month of YouTube Red. <laughs> CBS noticed it. Like, I've been noticing a lot because I watch a lot of YouTube. But, like, have you noticed, like, when you watch YouTube, they're like, like, random shit? Like, have you noticed that shit when you watch YouTube? No. You're, like, watching something that goes, randomly so you don't you can't steal shit like you can't do the youtube to mp3 shit anymore did you, i like, did ran- it this morning already for a couple film scores but there's randomly like, it does like weird horrible like there's a crazy noise in a bunch of different videos and it does it all it's ran- they do it at random it's part of youtube now like so you don't do, like that's fucked up yeah it's pretty annoying when you hear that's it that's not cool <laughs> well, they're like, how just, do the artists not say anything like, uh, you just ruined my song? Yeah, I don't right. think so. Right. We'll see if it sticks around, who knows? It's so, weird. Um, so, what's your next song, Josh? Is it me or is it Tyler? It's you. I got more than you, so let me go first. Okay. So, this one is a movie that a lot of people didn't like. I liked it. But. Elliot Goldenthal for Sphere in the music is really, really fucking good. Makes you feel like you're underwater, which you are. Huh, okay. Um, do you know the movie I'm talking about? No. So it's like Dustin Hoffman, Samuel L. Jackson, Sharon Stone, and they're a team that goes underwater to basically examine this thing that's they think is extraterrestrial and it's a giant gold sphere. And then eventually they walk in, like some of them walk into the sphere and they get these powers that anything they think of manifests in real life. No, I've never it's seen It's a Michael that. Crichton book. Huh. Um, oh, that's, I haven't seen the movie, but I actually have read this book, which is weird. I didn't even know this was a movie. A lot of people that have read the book don't like the movie, but I like it. Okay. And the music is incredible. And yeah, I think, you know, it's on my Plex. Watch it. It's good. It's probably on your Plex too. Like it's, well, I've been using your Plex, but it's on probably both of those. So the thing is, is like when we watch, so I have to kind of CBS hangs out at my house very much. That's true. He's like their roommate that doesn't pay rent and makes a lot of messes, but then doesn't clean That's them up. Not true. It is, but no, it's, it's fine. Not. But then when we watch things together, it's because he hangs out at the house and he's like, "We're gonna watch this tonight." And I'm like, "I don't want to watch That's Lock not and Key." True either. It I, is. I did watch Lock and Key. You slept through most of it though, because so. I didn't want to watch it. Yeah, because it wasn't that good. Sleep and then he would try to explain it to me, and I'm like, "Eh, I'm good." But so, like last night, we started watching The Witcher. I got through the first episode, and I part of the second and I was like I fell asleep but I liked it I think Henry Cavill's that character is really good but when it comes to just random movies on the Plex when I'm like hey CBS me watch this this is because like CBS me hang out a lot it's not because we're boyfriends I just wanted to point that out is that ever a question yeah. but what about what I just wanted to point out that we're not boyfriends mostly Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but we're not boyfriends. No. There's not anything wrong with anything anymore. I know. Yeah. You can be whoever you want to be. I guess. 
if you want to walk down the street with no pants on and a big dildo hanging out of your ass, I'm pretty sure if someone called you gay, it's not okay. Right. So, you know. I think probably the no pants thing you're probably in trouble for, though, right? For how long? Then? If you have a like, sock oh. on your dingus, then maybe ah, not. Well, hey, there you go. Exactly. There's there's gray areas and gray holes everywhere. Sure. So, yeah. You got five left. I have one, two. I have three left, so do one more. So I had two from Michael. I'm going to try to say this right. I think it's Giacchino, but it might be Giacchino. I'm not sure. But he's one of my guys I've been following a lot, too, because he's pretty young still. And the ones he does are, are very good. Like, but I was... I was on the I was on the border with the fence with this one, this one specifically the one that you chose. Yeah, because it's really fucking good. Because it 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 kind of epitomizes like that entire series. Well, yeah, I had to go with Star Trek, the two thousand nine J.J. Abrams Star Trek versus Rogue One. It was a very close race, but for me, never being a Star Trek fan part of what made me a fan of this reboot aside from how well J.J. Abrams did it was the music. I feel like he did a better job with Star Trek than he did with Star Wars. Guaranteed. 100%. I agree. And maybe it's because he didn't care about it as much as fucked up as that is to say. It wasn't as personal. I think if they would have given him all three of the the sequels, it would have been different. It would have been a different story. Oh, for sure. Um, Star Wars I think them, yeah. I think them taking away the middle one from him fucked up the entire thing. They should have left it with one director, I think, or at least a single, at least one, at least one, a single script writer, yeah, at least a single writer who kind of oversaw everything. And like, yeah, I, th- I think that was the kind of how they fucked up. Um, that that one though. Before we move on, I was like that. I've watched that Star Trek reboot, the first one, so many times. It's so good. Yeah, that's good. So many times. Like when when the Enterprise rises up from like like the edge of the cliff. Yeah. No, no, not not, even, not the the when they're like when it flies back in and then like to like Saturn or Jupiter or whatever like this the, the clouds and to, to for interference so like the the Romulan ship doesn't like register them. Yeah. And then it like sits there for a minute and then it rises out of that and yeah. it's just like. Man, so epic and so brilliant the way that they do it, and like such a cool thing bringing back the original, some of the original cast to an extent, and like paying tribute to it, but not like damaging the legacy. I don't know. I, I think that they just did an amazing job, and like I think the score plays a huge part because if, if it had just been like bullshit score, it wouldn't. It was like eh. Again, I think the the music is that glue that brings it all together. He reinvented it really well. Yeah. It helps us stay epic with the extra music. Yeah. Yep. So, my next one, before I start going through some doubles, because I, I doubled up on a couple and tripled up on one specifically, but I'm going to do Ennio Morricone. Morricone. The good and bad, the ugly. Do you, you. Oh. Do, do, do. Yeah. And that's one of the ones I was talking about. It'd be hard not to have him in this, too, because he's made... A zillion things. Yeah. And, like, that has been used so many fucking times. But the good That's even ugly, been in skate videos, dude. Dude, seriously. That's been in skate videos. It's just... So. It's so legend- legendary that it's just, like... 
you cannot put it in this. And it, to me, I remember like, there's kind of one, one, my, my dad loves Clint Eastwood. So I watch a shit ton of Clint Eastwood movies with my dad growing up and stuff. And so I would whistle this all the time as a, like a, like kind of as a joke when we would be in weird, like awkward situations. And my friend Ryan growing up would be like, do it, do it again. I'm like, do what is it? The tumbleweed thing is like, it's not the tumbleweed thing. That's a different movie, motherfucker. He's like, the thing. I'm like, oh, from good man. And I'm like, and he's like, yeah. And I was just like, it, it means a lot to me personally, but like, it's so, dramatic and so brilliant at the same time so i'd throw that in there hell yeah i mean and i think most people that don't know who that is he's being recycled now through a lot of tarantino movies so it's like yeah like you know tarantino's been using like tarantino tried to get him to make so many different film scores throughout the years and he kept telling him no and then it wasn't until the hateful eight that he agreed to make new music but so throughout the years before the hateful eight tarantino was just using like reusing old tracks of his well sure anytime there's a reveal you can use it it's awesome well he composed 521 521- <laughs> Somethings. Oh Jesus, that's a. F- <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was. I thought it was several hundred, not that many. Yeah, five hundred twenty-one somethings. I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, last like he's done some shorts, but like the Hateful Eight was his last big film. But holy shit, man! Like you know, one of my favorite one favorite ones is that like if if we can give him a honorable mention is the Mission. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. That one, like, my dad was obsessed with that and watched it all the time, and that music kind of stuck with me for a long time. It was, like, in the 80s. Well, that dude holding the sword, and they're, like, they're, like, missionaries, and they go and, like, getting attacked by, like, oh, God, that movie fucked me up, man. Like, it, yeah. was, it, was, a, it was a weird one. I don't have a copy of that. Put that on Blu-ray. That's Blu-ray Lords. Put that on Blu-ray. The fuck? The funny thing is, I was listening to, uh new podcast called Fake Doctors Real Podcast or something like that. It's uh, Zach Braff and Donald, what's his name from Scrubs? Faison. Yeah. And like, they- They st- have a podcast? They just started. It's oh, only, I didn't know it's, that. It's only four episodes in and like, they're basically taking and going through episode, the pilot to the last episode of Scrubs and they're talking about it and getting guests and stuff and they like talk about a lot of these things and- um. One of the reasons why everybody's like talk shit about how like this hasn't been like put on Blu-ray yet is because like it was only shot in like was sixteen millimeter. Yeah, but it can be done. Maybe it takes twice the work. But that but that's what the whole series was shot on. So like, it can be done, but it's going to be squared off still. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it, you can't do anything about the the square. Yeah, but that's why, and so like they're like, yeah, we just that's just the way that it was shot, and and that. The the feel of the TV show, the reason is the feel part of the the reason of that the feel is because of what it was shot in. Um, it's a pretty good podcast actually. Like they, you know, like that show was brilliant. Like the way that they, the way that they did everything was really cool. And like the writer from the writer creator, like and everything the way they do things like just the the animation like the way that like Zach Braff's character like has this like whole thing that goes on in his head and like I mean it, it was pretty incredible the way that was done well in TV shows too like 
they're a little behind movies as far as quality, like video quality, right. audio quality. Like it's not the same demand, and they've always been a bit behind. So, well, just stop. You know, it it's, it's just like requirements like yet. all the you know me going through seventy mini DV tapes right now. Right, I can't make that quality any better than the best it can be. Than right. the best that it was filmed. Like, that's it. So I get it. Like, you can't take a TV show from the year 2000 and make it look like a 4K video. You just can't. There's no fucking way to do it. Yeah, it doesn't exist that way in any format. You can get it to its highest quality it was filmed and then play it on something that's up-converting and maybe it'll look a little better. But, yeah, as far as it being a square, yeah. it's stuck a square. That will never change. Right. You know, like the old fucking, you know, we were talking about Charlie Brown movies. Those will be a square for eternity because... There's no way to there You can't it. undo that. You can't... Yeah, that's it. Yeah. TVs back then were a square, so that's how shit was filmed. So, before we move on... Any more going um, for a few dollars more? Good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, the cruel ones. The McGregor's. I mean, I could go on. Um, Death rides a horse. I mean, fuck, man. Like the dude, just a lot of those crazy westerns from the old days. But then, you know, he did a lot. Did of he do Pale Rider too? Uh, he probably did all that shit. Well, he did all the westerns. It's like literally, he's. I'll tell you this. This is 1968, okay? Danger Diabolic, Escalation, Guns for San Sebastian, Come Play With Me, A Sky Full of Stars, Roof, Run, Man, Run, Terriom, Galileo, Partner, Listen, Let's Make Love, A Fine Pair, A Quiet Place in the Country, Bandits in Rome, The Great Silence, Orgia, the mercenary, once upon a time in the West. That's all 1968 that he did. Yeah, that's one year. That that's motherfucker, a fucking workhorse, right yeah. there. So when you ask me <laughs> questions like that, I'm like, um, I think so, but I don't know. Does anyone on IMDb have 500 plus? Dude, seriously, the dude. Anything like so? Th- that's that's why I wanted to throw them in there because they're so epic and there's they're so widely used. But on the other hand, like. One guy did all this fucking shit. Like he was like a composer who did all of these things, and un- incredible. So anyway, it's crazy. It's a lot, it's a lot of things to be responsible for. All right, so this one's a little different, but I've got Daft Punk for Tron Legacy 2010. Oh yeah, there you go. And this one is like, even though it classifies as a film score, it's still kind of like in the middle of being like their style too like maybe you like you like I mean, someone yeah. could listen to this that doesn't listen to film scores and like be into it is kind of why i chose it but i've listened to it a lot since it came out and it's right there in the middle it's like the perfect between the kind of music they make and a film score it's like right there in the middle and that 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 score specifically to me it has this air of like there's a freedom about it, if that makes any sense. It's like, it makes you feel free. Like, windows down. Like, 
an airiness to it, like which you know. ultimately is like the the goal of that movie too, right? So. And so it's crazy that they chose Daft Punk to do that because the first time I ever heard Daft Punk, I was 16 years old and I was on my way to Denver, for my first road trip with my like actual road trip, not just to like from Craig to Grand Junction, but like Craig to Denver, like big deal. My parents let me go like on the road. My girlfriend at the time, my two best friends, we were in the car together, like going to see MXPX and a bunch of, and like we, she's like the girlfriend I was like, dating at the time. Her name was Brandy. And she's like, hey, you guys heard of this Daft Punk? And she put it on, and we were driving on the interstate. I was driving, and like all of the windows were down because her car didn't have AC, and it was just like it that moment in time, like this movie, like that 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 um score makes me it reminds me of that time but in but it relates to that movie properly and it's weird that like i it's crazy to me that like they chose daft punk to do that but it made it made me feel the way that i felt in that moment when the first time i ever heard daft punk i was like that's fucking crazy because as soon as i didn't even know when i when i watched that movie when i went to the theater to see it because i mean i think we all of us went to see that in the theater I mean, I know I saw it in the theater, but I don't remember who I watched it. I don't know if I was but, with you guys. No, you. I think I it was before we were all really. But but I, but I think we all, but I think we all went to the theater to see it. Though, yeah, for sure, so, for sure, for sure, and it's I saw like, it. The feeling in the IMAX. Like, that that feeling that I got, but then I was like, when I realized who did the score, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of fucking sense because it just like they. There's there's an air about Daft Punk that like what they do and like that that's they're so fucking rad so. And I'm going to say, I'm not even like, I like some of their regular music, not a lot of it. But this to me, I can listen to this album start to finish, and I like all of it. But I think they just had, like, they just had a good idea there, and I'm bummed the sequel to that got canceled. Yeah. Me as well. It could have been really fucking cool. That's like the one sequel I was stoked on for a long time, and then nothing. That's kind of the first time they started doing like the re, like the facial, like animation yeah, from yeah, like yeah. old actors yeah. with Jeff Bridges. With Jeff Bridges and, and stuff. And that like, was like. I mean, they've done it like to a lot of movies. Like, I mean, even The Irishman, like, did it with, and stuff, but like. Oh, yeah, half the cast. Right, but like, but this was the first time they really, and, and it worked with that movie because like the, what that movie's all about, so it made yeah, sense, but it's like. It's like, oh, you're computer generated, so it totally makes sense. Which I thought was fucking rad, but, yeah. Only part of the movie I thought was really weird is when we'd, we'd see his teeth. Like, there's a couple shots where even the camera moves a certain way, and like when you're coming down the face, you see the teeth, and it's like that's weird. Right. The rest of us fine though. But yeah, the teeth bugged really bugged me in that movie. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, <laughs> they really bugged me. So, so the next one I have is it was hard for me to not put him on here more because I love him so much. He's probably my favorite composer. I mean. Taking John Williams out of it, I mean, I think he's just every, he's everybody's number one. But beyond him, my 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 number one would be Danny Elfman, and I I chose the Batman score. Sure. And when you hear that, it makes you feel superhero. You're like, fuck yeah! It makes you want to fucking stand on the roof of your house with a fucking towel <laughs> tied around your fucking neck, throat, like with the wind blowing, and like I'm gonna fucking save the neighborhood. That's that's how that made me feel. And he did an amazing job, I thought. Oh, yeah. I said it for Beetlejuice already, but, like, when I heard Beetlejuice and Batman, like, the music for those, I was like, I think this is going to be something I might be into the rest of my life. Right. You know? 
because those are the first times I recognizably was like, I like this music. Right. Well, it's, one, it's another one of those that you hear it and you know exactly what it is. Yeah. There's no, you know, no middle ground on it. You know what it is. I have an honorable mention for Danny Elfman that is really good, but just not good enough to be on my list, which is Big Fish. That's a really fucking good one. Yeah, it's a really good one. It's one I've never been able to find the whole score of. Hmm. Like, I have a couple songs from it that I've taken from YouTube, but very, very fantasy-esque, um, majestic score that... One of the only movies I liked, liked. I like Ewan McGregor in. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> His, it, it is a good movie. And, and I don't hate him like you hate him, so. It's not that I hate him, it's just like, I just think he's not that good of an actor. No, I agree with you. Like, he's just like a fucking idiot yokel, but he's also British, so it's just like, how the fuck are you a yokel <laughs> and you're British? I don't fucking understand. <laughs> like, you're an idiot. I want to punch you in the mouth, but like, the only reason he like became anything is because like, Liam Neeson's like, well, I'm I'm so famous because of doing all these other movies, I can't be in the next three Star Wars films. Because you like Ewan McGregor was supposed to die in the first in in uh, Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. The way it should have been. And he was he was supposed to be the character of like uh like Qui Gon Jinn. And he was supposed to, he was supposed to be the Padawan and. Like, Liam Neeson was supposed to be Obi-Wan Kenobi as the master and be through all three of them. And, like, he didn't want to take on a new Padawan because Qui-Gon Jinn dies, which would have been Ewan McGregor. But that because of how in demand Qui-Gon, like, um, Liam, Neeson. Liam Neeson was, that like, it, that's why that whole thing, I think, changed the entire prequel feel. And I think that changed everything drastically, and, yeah. But anyway. Hmm. So I only have one more left after this one, so. I have two, but we kind of already talked about one, which is John Williams' Jurassic Park. I chose that to not do a Star Wars one, because I thought you might, but. Which I did. It'll <laughs> be my last one. Um. Maybe the first time in a movie theater, like, as a kid, where I was, like, really, really in love with movies. You know, I liked movies before that, but I didn't really get a chance to go to theaters, especially with my dad until later on. So, like, I think I was nine years old seeing Jurassic Park, and it was just, it blew me away. So, and that whole score is really, really good. But I'd also like to say John Williams one I wasn't able to throw in here, which should still have some some mention is Hook. Oh uh, yeah, I do like the Hook score. It, it brings out like the feeling you had when you were a kid. Yeah. So a John Williams one that you didn't pick, which I'm surprised, is the ET one. I thought about it. I thought about it a lot, and as much as I love that movie, I like some of the John Williams scores more than that one. Right. I mean, John, uh, that's why we, we. I mean, John Williams deserves his whole, I mean, yeah, whole entire yeah, episode. Exactly. There. So, like, I'm kind of. I mean, this has been a hard episode to do because we're like, 
you can't, how do you convey a film score? Like, like this name, so that's why we did the, that's why we did the playlist. So hopefully, if you listen to this, you go to the playlist on Spotify. Um, but my final one is, I think, one of the most legendary film scores ever. And in general, like, John Williams is like the greatest. He just is. And I think the greatest film that he ever composed music for was Empire Strikes Back. And in that movie specifically, I chose, um, the track is called, like, the, is called Finale. And it's the end of the movie where things are sad, loose hands cut off, he's getting a fake hand put on, Han's been taken in carbonite, like, the resistance is just, is depleted and separated, and they're just all on that, that medical frigid, frigate, and it's just like, you're like, wh- where do you go from here? You're like, we're kind of, like, how do we gather our forces? How do we do anything? And it's just like that, that track specifically kind of just conveys that. Wow. We're on a downturn, like here. And that's, and that's why I think that, I mean, everybody says like, oh, Empire, Empire, Empire. But Empire Strikes Back is one of the greatest films ever made to me. And it's like, the bad guys win. It ends on, ends on a down note. And this music is just like, it has that classic Star Wars music of like, it's the same basic, I don't want to say basic when it comes to John Williams, but like when Luke's staring at the two sons on Tatooine or when like Ray, it, 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 it carries through all of it. And, but then it goes into all, it kind of does a medley of all the other tracks, like the, the Empire, um, the Imperial March, I think, is first seen in this movie. Yeah, I think it is. The, the, dun, dun, the, yeah, dun, dun. I think so. Yeah, it definitely was this and, one. And, and it's part of the finale as well, and it, and it blends together. And so I think that like that's why I chose it, because it kind of has... It ends the movie, but then also does a little bit of other things, and it's like, that's why I picked it. And I, to me, I think Empire Strikes Back, not just one of the greatest... greatest. It's not not just the greatest Star Wars film, but it's, like, one of the greatest films ever made to me, personally. For sure, for sure. Um, but, like, score-wise, I think it's one of the greatest scores ever. And, like, as far as John Williams goes, that's a really heavy, like, statement to make, and that's why I, that's why I picked it, and that's why I picked it for my last, so. I had a track for that I was going to put in here, and mine would have been the Asteroid Field track. Because I really, really like that one. It was hard to pick one from this movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't want to end like like John Williams should be the end, I feel like, of this episode. But I've got Thomas Newman for Shawshank Redemption, which is definitely in my top ten of movies, maybe my top five. And the film score is just... I feel like it makes you feel like you're in prison. But in a beautiful way, right? <laughs> like, like I'm in prison, but I'm happy about it because I'm listening to this music. So the crazy you know? thing is, S- Stephen King has had a million things made into movies that he's written, and he's had a lot of things be like super successful, and he's had a lot of things that have been super not successful, and like critics have hated things and they've loved things, and I think the thing that he a lot of people don't realize that Stephen King wrote Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, and it's not like one of his stories, really, like it, like it, his usual thing, you know? But 
It comes from a novel of four short stories put into one called Seasons. And um, Apt People is in it. Shawshank Redemption is in it. And um, Stand By Me is in it. Those are three of the four stories. The fourth story is like, eh. But it's so dead on to the story and it, that uh, nobody can hate it. Like, nobody can hate on the original. Nobody can hate because it's, it's such a brilliant... Like, the story follows the movie. The mo- Like, it's just... It's brilliant. But, like, to be able to score that, I think, I mean, again, because what the movie's about, being in prison... Oh, yeah, and, it's, there's a lot of dark... A lot of dark to it. A lot of dark in this yeah. movie. And just, like, just the sadness in, like, the... I mean, this movie, specifically, the the title of the story in the book is called Hope Springs Eternal, because, like, it is... It's called Different Seasons, because, like, every, like, this Fall from fall from Innocence, which is, like, Sam I Me, because those kids fall from innocent youth to become, like, adults because they find the dead body... It's called the body. It's um, apt people is summer of summer of fuck. I'm like totally blanking. Summer of corruption, I think. Which I is put all these on my list to rewatch. Super actually. fucked up, man. Um, and then hopes like spring. Hope springs eternal, and it's because like it's about hope, and like the score of this movie makes you feel hopeful. And I I know that like people who are brilliant composers. I'm like, oh, I'm going to make this this way. I'm going to make this this way. But even then, like, it's not just, you can't just fucking call it. You can't phone it in when you're a composer, man. Like, I mean, you can, I guess, but your shit doesn't get, your shit doesn't get acknowledged. But this one, it was, it was a tough one not to put this on my list too. So, yeah. Yeah. That's what we got. Sweet. So we fucking uh, crushed through like a million fucking things. And if I could have made a list of a hundred, I could have easily <laughs> done that, like for sure. Oh, My thing is like, as a movie podcast, like as a film podcast of what we are, people who like, if you're listening to this, don't overlook fucking scores of movies, and don't just pay attention to that shit because that's probably why you love it or hate a certain movie. A lot of times. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Sure. I think it started, like, my dad's always been super into it, too, so I think I I got pushed in the right direction as a child. Like, hey, watch this movie. Oh, and while you're watching it, listen to the music. You know? Yeah. And I think, you know, that's not a universal outcome of watching movies, but it should be. <laughs> True story, man. I mean, music in general, like, my parents aren't musically inclined at all. Like, I'm the only, I'm the actual only musician in my family. And, but the thing is, like, music was a big part of our household. So, like, playing records and, like, listening to oldies radio or whatever radio. Like, my dad's favorite movie is um, American Graffiti. And the soundtrack to that film was is one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. It's like um, Wolfman Jack is a radio DJ through the entire night of this this film, and like you, you get all these brilliant songs and amazing things. And so, um, without them knowing it, my parents really put an emphasis on how important music is to life. 
without them even knowing that they did it. And it carries with me today. And so when Tyler maybe became friends, like film score, we're like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, that film score is brilliant. Like we, to me, I think that's one of the things that we first connected on. Oh, it was for sure. Like I, I didn't have a friend in Colorado that gave a fuck about film scores before you. And then when we started talking about like, and that's what different like, composers were like, oh fuck yeah, so and so. I moved here in 2004, and we started hanging out when 2012. Yeah, maybe. So, like, I went eight years without really talking to anybody about film scores at all other than my dad. Right. You know? And that just goes to show you, like, how little people, like, appreciate that shit. Because I had plenty of friends, but none that, like, really, (laughs) like, maybe just not even cared about movies as much as I do on the whole, but... I mean, this was fucking hard to do. This is like probably one of the hardest episodes I prepared for, but I think it went pretty smooth. Um, as smooth as it could have. Yeah, without being able to play stuff and like, but that's why we made the playlist. Yeah, so, if we could play stuff, it would, you know, a little bit different. Yeah, but that's why you just got to listen to our playlists and yeah. So, like I said, um, the playlist is called NBD Never Been Done Film Score Playlist. Um, search for it on Spotify. It is there. CBS's tracks are on there. His are the last four. Um, I'm the first 10, 12, 10 to 12-ish. I, I, I put two, two different green book ones on there, but they're like shorter. They're like one's 45 seconds and one's like one, a minute and 20 seconds. So like they kind of go together. Sure. So I count it as one. Um, and then Tyler's are the next set, and then uh, CBS is the second set. But I, I think they all kind of just like go together because we all kind of have the same love for that shit. So definitely check that out if you want to listen to these things. Um, other than that, I'm Wendell24 on Instagram. We are at Never Been Done Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Um, check out. And TikTok. We're on TikTok now? Sweet. No. <laughs> I think that's true. <laughs> Pretty sure it's not true. Check out um, Tyler at Huff Tizzle, spelled H U F F T Y Z Z L E. And it's Top 5 Comics CBS. Si, senor. And also check out Top 5 Comics Podcast. It is a uh, comic book podcast that I get to, I'm blessed to sit in with CBS. It's his podcast. Um, Talking about different comic book situations, different series. Like, usually they pick top five different books, but, like, right now books aren't coming out, so unfortunately we have to, like, kind of, like, change shit up. still do book reviews, but, like, last week, if you ever cared about trying to figure out what Young Justice, the comic book series, was about, then that would be the one to listen to. That's a good one. I I enjoyed it. 136, I think. Episode 136. Uh, also, CBS started a um, YouTube t- show called Action Figure Deconstruction, so please take a watch to that. It's on It's on YouTube. It's on... All this stuff is at top5comicspodcast.com. Um, the link to all, like, our podcast, the Top 5 Comics Podcast, um, Action Figure Deconstruction. And then also, Tyler and our buddy Connor have also started a hot sauce show, that, a review show that will, um, it's not uploaded yet, but it will begin. It be will there. be, and the channel is called Valley Transmissions, which All should be a collective channel, so I think we should put everything we have on that at some point soon. Like, we have... All the Never Been Done stuff is on there. Yeah, like, we have that, and... 
We'll get there. So. We have more ideas, more stuff we can do, but yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're just like kind of fucking stuck in quarantine and you don't know what to fucking do with yourself, um, like, share, and review everything for us. We'd appreciate it. Um, if you want to hear about something, hit us up. And other than that, man, like, love you dudes. It's been a really, really kind of deep episode. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. Me too. It's a different one. Like, we didn't, it didn't go massively off the rails, thankfully. Like, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But it's been a good one. But, uh, that's all I got, man. That's all we got. Stay tuned, motherfuckers. Take us out. Hi. Hootie hoo.